When the crowd gets loud, that's a pop. When the crowd gets insane, that's a monster pop. Hey, everybody. We have a very, very, very special show for you this week. I'm your host, Reclaim Joey, former professional wrestler and Twitch partner. Uh, also flanked by our other co-host, Mr. EOD, Emperor of Destruction, Dr. Destruction, PhD, actual doctor. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's been a bit of a heavy day, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for this episode, to be honest. We have a ton of stuff to cover today, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room right now. There have been, there has been a big shift and a big shakeup in our roster. Uh, Mr. Brose is no longer on the show. Uh, we love him very much. It's nothing. We didn't have any heat. There was no big falling out or anything. Um, he just wanted to focus on some other things in his life. He has some stuff going on. It's very per- it's personal stuff. So we're not going to get into any of that. But we do. We love you, Brose. Thank you so much for your contributions to this show. And as far as I'm concerned, you will always be a member of Monster Pop. Always. So yeah. we wish you luck in everything that you do, bro. And we always support you. You were indispensable to our uh, our beginnings and whatnot. We'll always appreciate that. And I know it sounds cynical in the wrestling context, but we truly do wish you uh, the best in your future endeavors. <laughs> yeah, we really do, man. Um, so we are going to be moving forward from here. The show must go on. And uh, we are introducing our brand new third member. He's a been a longtime friend of the show. Uh, my lifelong, one of my lifelong best friends, uh, Mr. D Straight. Dudes, yeah. What's going on, hey, man? Introduce yourself, man. Tell us about yourself. What, what's uh, what's your what's your thing? What's your uh, your your experience with professional wrestling, man? Well, I'm stoked to be here, and uh, yeah, big shoes to fill. With Brose stepping out, He's such a nice guy, and I just got to know him through listening to the show a little bit. But I'm sure we'll uh, continue to you know kind of keep him in the loop for sure, and he'll be around doing some watch parties with us, but. Rose, you'll be missed, man. But I am stoked to be here. And in terms of my experience as a wrestling fan, well, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, so I think it's a prerequisite. But I turned it on one Saturday morning when I was likely four years old and kind of haven't looked back. The first live professional wrestling event I ever attended was at the Mid-South Coliseum. But Joey and I actually became friends through wrestling. Uh, I remember standing outside. We were both involved in the hardcore scene. I remember standing outside of a show one day, somehow wrestling came up and he mentioned that he's into it. And I was kind of like, Oh, I can actually, I can talk to this kid. I'm like, most I of these guys exactly how it went. Yeah. I remember exactly how it went. I was, we were standing outside and the band I was in was playing and they were chilling outside and I came out after our set and he started talking shit about the band that was playing. And I was like, yeah, I'm in that band. <laughs> <laughs> You know how it goes. Sometimes you put your foot in your. Sometimes you put your foot in the mouth. But you know, like any good wrestling fan, I'd seen enough. uh, I'd seen enough. uh, You know, kind of slimy managers and heels that I knew how to get out of that one. (laughs) Yeah, and he was. You were wearing an old school Ring of Honor hoodie. It was a gray one. It had the old school fucking logo. Yeah, Yeah, dude. Has the old. Had the old school logo, and you're like asking me if I liked wrestling, and then I had gotten out of it at the time. Because I was just so sick of that shitty Ruthless Aggression era. And uh, you were like, oh, you should come over and watch Joe versus Kobashi. And yeah. that, fucking, that changed my life. I came over, <laughs> we fucking all hung out, we watched Joe versus Kobashi, and it changed my fucking life straight up. 
Yeah, I you know, I'd just gotten that DVD and I used to um when the ROH shows would be released, I mean, there weren't pay-per-views at the time, so if you didn't go live, you would the only way to get results would be to go online and talk about it. If you wanted to see it, you had to wait until they released the DVD, you know, or they started with VHS as well and they discontinued that, but it would be maybe eight weeks down the road before you'd get it in your hands. So I think I'd watch that Joe vs. Kobashi show once. And I was like, yeah, you got, you got to come over and see this. This is incredible. Yeah, it was, uh, that was just something. It's still, to this day, that's still one of my favorite matches of all time. Oh, same, and yeah. It, Terrific. It, it got me interested in Ring of Honor. It got me interested in the indies. And it just really, really opened the floodgates for me. Yeah, with all the with all the Ring of Honor news lately, you know, um, it's 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 just funny how instrumental that was. I think for a lot of modern wrestling fans, that era, that you know, maybe two thousand three through two thousand seven or eight era of Ring of Honor, how much like it's bringing people together. And and right now, you if you remember like the ECW um, kind of nostalgia that hit around two thousand five with the with the nostalgia shows, Hardcore Heaven and One Night Stand and all that. It, I hope that I hope that this is more meaningful, right? You know, with Tony Khan buying ROH, with Super Card of Honor coming up that we're we're attending. Um, I hope that you know this doesn't turn out to be just you know nostalgia flashback. Hopefully, this can be something meaningful, and we'll have a lot to talk about, man. Because you know that era, you know, we talked about for us stateside. I think that's in in the modern era, like in this millennium, that's the best wrestling that that we've had here. Um, you know, staying, staying in North America anyway, but yeah, man, it, we, we, we became friends through ring of honor, brought Joey and I together and we've been friends now for like 17, 18 years. Yeah. Damn. God, it's a long ass time. It's crazy. And, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, I've got also like, I've got to ask real quick though, given that you buried yeah. Joey's musical career. How was his indie career on the wrestling scene? Was that uh It was <laughs> he, he was there was, for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was at Joey's first match and you know, I, I think I was I was positive, encouraging uh, to him about training, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun, man. I had a lot of fun going to see Joey, you know, get better as as time went on, and uh, he's pretty good right off the bat. Like he took his training really seriously. He took, um, you know, working out very seriously. He actually got me into the gym. You know, I was a little 140 pound beanpole, and thanks to him, now I'm a 160 pound beanpole. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we like um I remember like there was times where like uh I got hurt and he was there and he had he tried to sneak to the back and stuff. <laughs> yeah, to see if you I know, was okay. Yeah. yeah, I can t- yeah. I mean, you took <laughs> a nasty chair shot, like unprotected headshot and I knew you were I knew you were like I knew you yeah. got your bell rung right away and you know, that was the type of indie where you the medical care that you're receiving is outside behind the building with a rag of dubious you know <laughs> dubious it was origin. literally it was literally like my head was busted open and i was bleeding so bad it the 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 medical attention i received that night was literally like a water hose in like a fucking like hand <laughs> towel Jesus, man. <laughs> like straight up water hose i had a bad concussion and stuff but that's definitely a story for another time since we have so much to cover that's definitely yeah. something that we'll get to one day you guys ask us if you ever want to know any crazy stories from my wrestling career and uh, ask us on Twitter. Maybe I'll post a clip or something one day. But awesome. um, yeah, we have like we have so much freaking news this week. Uh, the biggest news literally just happened, and it's really fucking sad. 
damn. Uh, Scott Hall, uh, also known as Razor Ramon, uh, he passed away today. And, um, man, it's absolutely heartbreaking. His contributions to the professional wrestling business, they're unparalleled. They can't be understated. They can't be overstated. He, um, He's definitely... Uh, God, he's one of the most influential figures in all of wrestling, both in the ring and out of the ring and on the business side. Like he, mm. he reached so many facets of this business that we still feel the, we still feel the 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 ripples of that to this day. And um, rest in peace, man. Yeah, for straight sure. up. I also feel like he's someone who you know, like as you said, like his contributions are really. Uh, incomparable in so many ways, but I feel like he doesn't necessarily get a lot of the credit that he's really due a lot of times. Uh, he's one of those guys that I think, um, and you know, I, to some extent, I get, you know, maybe it was a little bit of like his personal demons, the way WWE received that, but you know, they don't really, he almost gets like not quite the Chris Benoit treatment, but like he never really got like the full, like, you know, I don't think he ever really got like the full tribute that he really deserved for like just how much he did for the business and like how how good he really was. Uh, as a worker and like as a character and everything, I mean, he's truly one of a kind. Yeah, we were talking at my sh- about about this on my stream right before this, and I just love like how creative he was with with what he with what he what inspired him. Uh, obviously, the Razor Ramon character was inspired by um, Scarface, and how he convinced Vince that that was going to be cool. And Vince had no idea that the character was like a drug dealer or a drug, a drug kingpin. And uh, he took that and he ran with it. And uh, it created this persona that you didn't even think about Scarface. You thought about Razor Ramon. And he's still iconic to me than to even uh, Scarface himself. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah, think about yeah. that. When, when I was a kid, I, I hadn't seen the Pacino Scarface. I'd actually watched the 30s version with like Paul Muni for for those that like are interested in deep movie references but I hadn't seen that one and and that character was completely blew my mind and I I went back today and watched his the first vignette that they aired and he rolls up in this like Cadillac convertible and he starts cutting a promo on Cuba like it's political <laughs> really quick it's, yeah it's really it's really interesting to go back and watch that but yeah dude I was I was so into that character when that was right before I discovered skateboarding and took a, a break from wrestling. And it was, that was the most exciting thing that was happening was that character. And I was flipping, you know, toothpicks in my sister's face at restaurants <laughs> and get, getting in trouble. But uh, man, I was so into it. And when he got like upset by one, two, three kid, like I still think about that crossbody coming off the ropes for that three count how shocking that was and how awesome that was how you don't see that type of stuff enough today and uh, it, yeah it was really cool but i mean and that brings up the the question because that's the first thing i think of when when i think of scott hall is for me was that those those segments and his debut uh watching saturday morning and then monday night raw eventually when it debuted but uh, EOD, when you think Scott Hall, what's the first thing that comes to mind, man? Oh, man, uh, this is tough. I mean, I think, honestly, it has to be, like, the NWO stuff. Like, I mean, that stuff was iconic, too. And like, But when he, like, came in yeah. like, at the start of the NWO, he, st- he was still kind of rocking the character. He, he was Scott Hall, not Razor Ramon, but and then they, they like, sued them because <laughs> it was, like, gimmick infringement or whatever. Uh, yeah. But I think that stuff, like, I mean, that was really... 
I mean, God, like the NW was just so influential and whatnot. And obviously he as like the first guy in it. He was the first outsider. He was just instrumental in like getting that group off the ground. Um, and it was kind of like funny. I was like thinking about this the other day with like him and Kevin Nash, where it was like kind of weird where like WCW basically brought, you know, two of like WWE's top guys and just made them like a random tag team on their show eventually. <laughs> it would be like yeah. if AEW acquired like Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and just made them a tag team and just acted like well (laughs) i don't i wouldn't go that far because they had like an existing partnership because that's the whole thing behind like the the infamous um right yeah curtain call you know everybody knew that they were the click everybody knew that they were homies and like it's it's close it's closer to like well i don't know maybe like a brock and goldberg or something like that Maybe not even that because like they were they're just like legit people. Everybody knew what the click was. It, it, right. it would have been the same if it was like Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon or Shawn Michaels and Diesel. It was it would it would have been like the same thing. So it made sense that they came in like that. And uh, mm. I wouldn't necessarily call it random at all. But well, I mean more they, so like once they um once like the NWO was established and they were like a tag mm-hmm. team that and was they more became so the tag team yeah. partial. Yeah, I don't I know. I don't and and I don't know if the casual fan understood the click aspect to it. And back then, we're, you know, we're really talking before the internet. I don't know how widespread that was among those who, like, weren't subscribed to newsletters and weren't, you know, reading, you know, Pro Wrestling that, Illustrated, like the Bible. That footage got, was about as viral as you could possibly get back then, from but what I on, understand. But under what, but on what platform, yeah, what I don't possible. know. Because tape yeah, training, you know, you know it, was a, it was a house show. So, yeah, the footage is, is like a fan cam, right? Yeah, it is a fan cam, yeah. So I'm, And I'm sure diehards had that, right? Maybe For it was sure. a big deal. I, I don't know. But there sure, certainly wasn't an internet. Um, there was bullet, there, you know, and as we know it now, I'm not saying that if you wanted to download footage like that off like a bulletin board system or something back in the day, you were... You're waiting a few nights, you know what True, I mean? So I'm not sure. Up, and I'm not up. even sure anybody encoded it. So it probably would have been a tape trading thing. I don't Had know how, you know, it was likely reported on in, in magazines and newsletters. But um, now it's now it's viral. Now everybody knows about it. You know, everybody knows about, about it. Yeah. yeah. And then he, they are also very instrum- instrumental in like the way contracts and stuff are done today. Like yeah. they were the very first like guaranteed contracts. So they did a lot for the boys. They yeah. did a lot for the like they like literally every facet of pro wrestling. Scott Hall has his hand in and or had his hand in and he was like just he was like his contributions are way understated. And uh man, he he is uh he will be missed. I'm really glad that he was able to get clean and live some really happy years before he passed away. And uh sure. You know, he got clean and we saw him at conventions. He got put into the Hall of Fame. You know, we saw the stuff that, uh, man, when he was on drugs and I remember hearing that that voicemail that he sent to DDP or they talked to DDP and uh, there was the recording of the vo- the phone call and it's just heart wrenching, dude. And like back then he thought he was dying. He like he was talking to, to DDP and he sounded real bad. And he's like, I'm dying, man. I'm dying, Dally. I'm dying. And then. He went. He went to move in with DDP and got his life together, and he got to live some great, great years. And ended up being at WrestleMania, and even took some bumps. And I know he was helping a lot of the young guys. I saw videos of him helping people at NXT. 
I saw like uh, he loved wrestling. I love yeah. that picture of him at 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 Raw whenever they did Retro Raw or whatever the fuck when they did that show at the uh, Manhattan Center, and he's sitting there and he's chilling. He's wearing his New Japan Pro Wrestling jacket and uh, oh, yeah. just chilling at Raw. And that was he, that's yeah. fucking cool. I mean, he loved he loved wrestling. Yeah. He loves it. He loved showed it. up and in New Japan for a while too. He sure did. And yeah. I love that. I love that video of him showing up in ECW. And coming yeah. out to that Fuji song and people going fucking nuts and man, it's there's crazy stuff, man. That guy loved pro wrestling. And when you talked about the contract stuff and how that was, you know, so groundbreaking and trailblazing, you know, um, Kevin Nash and his Instagram post where he, I think that is what broke the news to fans that he was yeah. being taken off life support. And if I'm not mistaken. <clears throat> he mentioned yeah, a name. Was. Did you did you guys catch another name that he mentioned when he talked about the um, the outsiders thing starting? What did he say? Who did he say? He mentioned Barry Bloom. Oh yeah, and, the, the the agent. Yeah, yeah. And there's a guy that probably not a lot of casual wrestling fans know his name, but I mean he's he's agent to some of the most massive names in the business since like the '80s mm-hmm. and continues today. Like I last I knew he was Kenny's agent i don't know if that's yeah. still ongoing but he's 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 the agent of like just all the huh. big timers for sure like and, and, just yeah. most of them at least and yeah you know he's he was instrumental in brokering brokering their move over there uh, um heavily involved in talent transitioning to even aew today like he was taking meetings in japan uh and he's so he's instrumental and he's you know, as far as guys that have never been involved in like a storyline on <laughs> wrestling or made it made a major announcement on TV, he's probably the most instrumental you know figure that there is out there. I mean, when of course he'd be interested in getting AEW started because that's a second major promotion for him to you know bargain for better deals for his clients, right? So that was big time in his interest. Um, to get that going, if there's a, I know you're not a sports fan, Joey, but there's a, um, an agent in baseball named Scott Boris. He was like Alex Rodriguez's agent and he's heavily hated by, by owners and a lot of fans. Yeah. I think Barry Bloom is something of that. Like I know Bischoff hated him yeah, because he would, you know, go behind his back and try to get better deals from Vince or wherever he could for his guys. But yeah, pretty interesting that he, that they mentioned him and, and I think those guys making that move, and like you said, EOD, that's what you think about when you think of Scott Hall and, and having him involved in that, that that gave him so much power. And it's yeah. the really you're right in a lot of ways that shaped what we what we've got today, including literal AEW. Yeah. And like the fucking NWO, like literally every facet, the, the like broke K like uh the carton call broke kayfabe and brought wrestling to the forefront in uh, the way it really truly is. They let out a lot of the secrets and things like that. And for better or worse, you know, that's what led the charge for wrestling being out there in, in the way that it is the cafe being broken, you know, mm-hmm. and awesome. uh, it makes it, sorry, Joe, is that what you think about too? When you, when I say Scott Hall, cause I, I think that's what most people think about is him crossing over the barricade. I think when I think about Scott Hall, man, I really think of like, I really think of, I really think about him in his full form, like uh, red and black uh, as one of the outsiders. He's, he's got like the unique gear. He's like oozing fucking charisma and uh, just 
being the 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 like in-game Scott Hall. That's what I think about. I don't think about like the old school stuff. I don't even though I'd love to watch some of that stuff. Um, where he's just got the big ass mustache and stuff. Are you talking about Magnum Scott Hall? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Straight up <laughs> Magnum Scott Hall. Um, I would love we, to watch. We some were that talking stuff, about but... how he how he looks like he's uh, uh, EOD said that you know he kind of looks like ravishing Rick Rude stunt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but much bigger. I, I somebody on Reddit they posted some cool stuff to you about um, him putting over younger guys. Like mm-hmm. there was some really cool stuff. Like we talked about the uh, Sean Waltman one, mm-hmm. and then there was the Chris Jericho one, and like. He would always like there were always like instances in his career where he put over people in like a big way. And he was the king of getting pinned really fast from roll ups and like selling it. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anybody freaking sell it like they were legitimately surprised better than him. Like that little like it's I think it's like four four finishes. That's it. And it's, you know, the small guys going over on him and stuff. And like um, I saw that on Reddit and like just back to back to back. It's just amazing how consistent he was and being able to portray how shocked and how believable it was that he just got beat that was that shit is awesome and he's 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 probably really underrated as a wrestler because he had so many other contributions but um he was great a lot of his stuff has aged really well like i was actually like i mean literally as the news broke that he uh had passed i was literally watching his uh wrestlemania ladder match against uh sean michaels that match is a classic it's really really good it it holds up even to this day yeah, they had a, yeah. they had another one at Survivor Series. Was it Survivor Series? SummerSlam. It was, it was the SummerSlam. Next year. That's it. Yeah. Which one is better? One. Um, you know, I, I've always I think the cool thing is to say the SummerSlam rematch from SummerSlam '95. I've always just liked the WrestleMania match. I've always just I I just think that's pretty much a perfect. You're not going to get a better WrestleMania match than that, especially in that era. And Razor Ramon was kind of a victim of the era in terms of in-ring like classics he's kind of a victim of the era and the promotion for which you know he wrestled which there there just wasn't a lot of like you know for lack of a better term five-star classics in that area especially on tv because you didn't have that so just the fact uh, how many of those how many guys well had classic matches in that era on, on in those promotions are very few yeah, very few in, and in, he's in one WWE. Of them. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, yeah. you, you know what's great? Like, it was what stands out about that ladder match is how like how much of a story it had. Because like the mm-hmm. idea was they were both going in. You know, there's they needed there, there was going to be an undisputed Intercontinental Championship uh, or champion, and they're both climbing the ladder. They're both mid card guys going towards the main event, and they're both kind of climbing the metaphorical ladder to success. And so that was the idea behind the ladder match. And they're climbing this ladder so they could become the undisputed intercontinental champion. And that story built in with what they were doing was it's, it's brilliant. And like what ladder matches have that kind of story. Like, I guess you could say like um, Sammy and Cody, maybe a little bit. Like, I think that's what they were trying to go for. Because Sammy was kind of climbing the ladder, but mm. um, you know Cody really wasn't. But that's that's that was what made that match really special, is because it had something that you could really sink your teeth into outside of really cool spots. And let me fucking tell you that that match has really cool spots too. Yeah, it does. It has everything. It has everything. We used to put that. I couldn't get hired when I was a teenager at the cool video store because I didn't know who the rich families were. So I failed the interview <laughs> in, in Dallas. I didn't know who like the debutantes were and. 
but so I had to work at Blockbuster Video. <laughs> but we were supposed we were supposed to show the little they had a little um reel that we were supposed to show at work, which are just trailers for the new releases. It was like twelve minutes of of hell on loop. But we would we would totally break out of that and just put on we we always like to put on those ladder matches or whatever. And there was actually a debate at the store which one was which one was better and we would ship yeah. them around. But man, yeah. I mean if I I think in another era, like he would probably have a lot more matches that are considered classic. I know that, you know, he had a couple TV matches with like Owen Hart and Rick Martell that are pretty highly thought of and some of the tag matches and, and uh, our multi-man matches and WCW, but he doesn't really have that signature singles match in WCW. And that kind of brings us to, you know, a lot of that was probably due to his personal problems, you know, um, he wasn't always on point, unfortunately, like everybody, you know, his demons have been well documented and, and props to DDP for letting him move in with him and, and getting, you know, him back in good shape and, and presentable and getting his pride back, you know, in, in his, in his twilight years, man. Yeah. Well, his, this, this story could have ended much differently and much sadder. Absolutely. And thank heavens he got the fucking, you know, have some happy years left. Rest in peace, man. Hey, yo. Rest in peace. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. So we got... Uh, we we can go ahead and move on. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. We watched a fuck ton of wrestling this week. We sure did. So we're going to try to get through it pretty succinct and stuff like that, not keep you guys for uh, the entire day. But we did watch a lot of wrestling. There was a lot of stuff going on this week that we wanted to check out. Um, we wanted to check out some new stuff and... um. One of the things we checked out was House of Glory. Do we want to start with House of Glory? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we checked out House of Glory, and I was interested in this because it's it's uh, Master P, the rapper. It's his pre- professional wrestling promotion. And you could tell right off the bat with, like, the music they were using. Like, he had to, like, curate some of this music, I would think, right? Like, maybe he's got some buddies in the business, and he's like, can I use this music and stuff? And uh, it was good. It was really cool. It was a nice little presentation. It was a bit dark. Their lighting wasn't the best, but um, I did enjoy the presentation quite a bit. Like, you could still tell what was going on and everything. Uh, but they had some stars on the show. It was very clear to me that they had some really, really, really green guys, some rookies, but they were very enthusiastic. And uh, they also brought in lots of veterans to do. That made the wrestling not the greatest, but it wasn't bad either. So we're going to cover House of Glory, their pay-per-view that they just had. Yeah, so this was honestly like one of the weirdest fucking shows I've seen. Uh, maybe not <laughs> ever, but in a while. Uh, this is the first, I think it's the first non-GCW indie show I've seen in a really long time too. Um, so the first- well, we like, watched Rev Pro. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, this had better production than Rev Pro for what it's worth, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, especially on the music end. But I mean, even like just like the cameras and whatnot. Um, there was a few like just kind of like preliminary matches, but like the first one that like kind of stood off as like someone like who might have some star potentials. This guy called Cash Flow. Uh, I can't remember what his act like his name after that, but Cash Flow, and he fought uh, Michael Fane, and uh, this was okay. Um, I kind of liked the name. He had the currency kick which was just a penalty kick but you know it's kind of I, I always like you know sort of branding your moves based on your gimmick uh and then he wins with a a pretty cool looking suplex of a bridge and then he called out uh of all people AEW's malachi black instead he gets uh charles mason who i literally wrote in my notes 
dollar store Malachi Black. <laughs> Which was funny because the the first thing he said was that uh, cash flow reeks of poverty. So I mean, I guess you know he could only afford the dollar store rival. Uh, I thought this was kind of racist, and he confirmed that it was racist when he said that he was a street thug. So um, <laughs> yeah, was, he's getting yeah he's getting heat. You know, and, and, and yeah. they're they're in they're in New York <laughs> oh, City God. proper, right? Yeah, yeah, they so. sure were. Yeah, yeah, they're straight up queens. So, like, I mean, his, by the way, his name is Cashflow Ken Broadway. Ah. We, we loved this guy. He had a ton of charisma. He had a great look. He did, he was really good at, like, firing up and uh, being, like, a little believable. He did some of the stuff that I don't like, but I guess it's something that you got to have to deal with today, which is, like, slapping the leg and shit like that. But um, I really, we really enjoyed watching him. And he's somebody that, he was a standout on uh, House of Glory. Keep an eye on that guy. I think he's going to do some things. And then, like, right at, right as this match ended, this guy called Detective James comes out and, like, saves oh, him from this dude. And an impromptu match breaks out. Like, I thought they were just brawling at first, but then, like, a ref comes out, and they just treat this like an actual match. This was, like, the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. Uh, it, you had a cop so, fighting this dude. Yeah. Like, it was just bizarre. <laughs> it was it was super bizarre. So they had this, this, uh, this sleazy like guy in a suit come out and yeah, that was I, I don't really know. Yeah. Okay. That was Charles Mason. And they were just doing some, like apparently he brokered some kind of thing. And then the, and then the cops, like there was the cops came to save the day. I didn't really understand this, but one of the cops, I can't remember his name, but the one with like the actual, um, the vest on the bulletproof vest. Do you remember his name? Did, did you catch it? Cause they had no, by the way, they had no, I apologize for the wrestlers that I don't know their name, they didn't have lower thirds for you guys. And it's not like the audio was very good whenever they introduced you guys. So I had no fucking idea yeah. who the fuck was who. We 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 tried really hard and we figured out uh, cash flow Ken Broadway. But everybody else, it was really difficult. But there was a guy with like a vest on and it had like... um you know H-O-G-P-D on oh, it. P-D, yeah. And oh my God, I have never seen anybody... Well, I have seen people. This looks funny when they wrestle, but he was so <laughs> hilarious in what he tried to do, and he was trying. I'll give him credit on that. He was trying so hard, but everything he did looked so fucking funny to me. I was laughing and howling, and just I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Just the funny shit he did. There was a part where he did like a rebound, like he got he got hit in the face and he he stumbled backwards and he did a rebound it was through like the, like the bottom slowest rebound too. It was the slowest rebound I've ever. Yeah, it was the slowest rebound and he looked like oh my god, it was just so fucking funny. There was so much to be had and like so much laughter to be had here. And then there was a they had like a a, a lady cop and she was just always frozen. Like she didn't she she hardly emoted. She looked like she was really uncomfortable out there. Um, it looked like her first day. <laughs> And she was just like frozen deer in headlights the entire time. And uh, man, holy crap. Did you did you catch any of this, Dave? Yeah, yeah. This is when I popped in on you guys. And uh, don't know if it's my favorite cop gimmick. I was actually surprised. You know, he comes out to KRS, like an anti-police track, right. too, which is <laughs> yeah. kind of weird. And, you know, he's a, he's an African-American police officer. And KRS has another song about that, which isn't that doesn't look upon that too favorable. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that would have been the more appropriate entrance music, but I was surprised to see a cop babyface gimmick, given that on the same show, you've got a heel getting heat by calling people street thugs. 
Very interesting, but I guess in the same you know, angle too. Yeah, yeah, it's in the it's same f- angle, and, and I and I guess that's you know that, we, and like you said, we don't know the name of that work, or maybe that maybe that's the gimmick you wanted to go with. I'm, I'd almost, yeah. I'd almost have to say it is because I can't rem- imagine a, a promoter, you know, in today's climate saying, "Hey, I'm going to give you a cop gimmick. You're a baby face," and somebody, you know, accepting that with open arms. I don't know. Uh, well, very strange. I was very very surprised by this. There was also like some weird things. So they had the criminal guy, right? He's like this big guy wearing like a tank top and he was huge. And he like pushed the chick around, the woman that was like in a deer at headlights. And he kept like, she kept freezing looking at him. And I couldn't tell if she was trying to like portray that she was scared or if she was horny or if like or trying to look she tough liked, or something. Yeah. Or, or, or she liked, or she was trying to look tough or like she was getting frozen by like, really being into the bad guy like i could not figure out what was happening here and he pushed her he ended up pushing her and then never got his comeuppance and like maybe he'll get his comeuppance eventually in the storyline but like he just like he pushed her like it was full-blown assault and like i I couldn't i was like holy shit like but he never got knocked down he never got beat up like i don't know who the who the i don't know who the supposed to be the bit i don't know who is supposed to be he lost the, to a roll-up eventually yeah, that too. So I, that's not his. That's not comeuppance. But like, I don't know who the who's supposed to be the hero babyface here. Like, who's so supposed weird. to be the one that like like puts like puts him in his place? I don't. I just did not get this at all. But it was funny, and we were just yeah. dying laughing the entire <laughs> yeah. time. So there's some entertainment factor there, and uh, that's what you can look forward to there. There was also like another gimmick where it was a ringmaster and a lion. And it's, to their credit, they were pretty good, but the gimmick sucks. It was the so bad. The main event? Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me hold on. The Yeah, they were called the main event, which yeah. is not the main the actual main event. Like, like the M-A-N-E. M-A-N-E. Yeah, event. And like, th- you know what it reminded Holy me of? It reminds, it reminds me <laughs> of when you get like, it was two like just black, it was two black dudes. They were like, they were coming out and just being like a ringmaster and a lion. It was so weird. Like I said, they were. Good. It reminded me of like a, a a gimmick where like when you first get out of wrestling school and they just give you anything, like they just slap a gimmick on you and they say, "Hey, it's time to go learn." I had one of those, and I'm not gonna say what it is, but I I know exactly what that that looked like exactly what it is. They're like, "Oh, you're gonna be um, fucking Ringling Brothers and Bottom and Bailey Circus. So go out there and learn." And you know, you go out there and you do your jobs and stuff like that. You're but a they fucking were, lion. That's yeah. good shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in this day and age, it's I don't th- I don't think that's a good idea for young wrestlers to do, especially when you're going to be on iPay-per-view and stuff like that. Like, I get that you're trying to cut your teeth and stuff like that, but in this day and age, people are going to see that, and uh, you don't want to do that. And then yeah. I saw that they they did the gimmick in like AEW on the AEW Dark or something. They were doing some jobs or something. Oh my gosh! Like, real drop quick, this I, gimmick fast. Real quick, because I didn't see this, and there's probably a lot of people listening that didn't see it. What the the wrestler that was the lion? What was he doing to sell that he was a lion? I gotta know, like, what mannerisms was he employing? I don't really remember. I think he was just like he just he was like a luchador with like a mane. He was gotcha. he was big. He was a bigger guy though. He gotcha. was bigger. He was bigger, and he did some power moves. And I think he did do some stuff, but we were so distracted by. Like other shit that was going on in the match, it was very hard to keep up with this show because of like the way the the production is and the lighting and like how dark it is and stuff like that. It was weird, but and we couldn't get over that we were watching a ringmaster and a fucking lion. 
The lion. So essentially, was was it similar to Luchasaurus? Was he as much a lion as Luchasaurus as a dinosaur? Dude, it was like, it was like, it was like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus if they were like made of diarrhea. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah, I feel so like Luchasaurus sh- so commits to like being a dinosaur a little bit more at least. And his and his gear looks good. Yeah, it's not like, dude. This guy came out with a lion mask with like huge fur like fur on the lion like it had an actual mane and it hey looks so gonna, cheesy yeah. if you're gonna do it i mean come out with that mane man yeah and at least <laughs> jungle boy comes out and he's he's got like the fucking loincloth or whatever but it's not so crazy that like it's unbelievable like he didn't like he didn't come swinging in on a vine or anything like that but the fucking ringmaster wore like a top hat suspenders <laughs> did they like, get the lion on a stool on a little stool and make him sit on a little stool you know what they they might as well have like it's <laughs> it was it's it was just ridiculous i hated it and uh i thought that the wrestlers were pretty good though and um would you, you know, be pissed though if, if uh pay-per-view match jungle boys music hit baltimore hits and then he comes swinging in on, on a vine into the ring would you be pissed honestly probably not but honestly it'd be kind of awesome no uh, fuck probably- that if he if he came in on a series of vines and he's grabbing like he's <laughs> fucking popping off one to the other like to swing into the ring hey that'd be because badass that was if he could do it. <laughs> fuck that dude oh <laughs> no God. more no more fucking like crazy like heights in, involved in wrestling in, uh, entrances, please. No more. Now, Paul Birchall used to do the swing in on the on the rope like a pirate. He just was sure a that. pirate. That was straight up his gimmick. Yeah, yeah straight up p- pirate gimmick, and he swung in on a rope. Yeah, with Shit. like some yeah. with like some with like some bootleg uh, Pirates of the Caribbean music playing. <laughs> All right. What you could probably nice, tell. Man? You could probably tell what was the uh, you know hot movie at the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, next up, we had uh, Taya Valkyrie versus uh, was it Natalia Markova? Yeah, um, lots of potential here. Uh, Taya Valkyrie is a star. She looks great. She just got fired from WWE, which is insane. And uh, they need somebody needs to pick her up. Like a big time company needs. To I pick thought her it was up funny fast. that commentary put her over as like or Frankie Monet, like her NXT name. It's like she was there yeah. for like like a month. <laughs> like don't even like. How would you even know her for that? At this point, you shouldn't even like mention their WWE name. They're moving on, right? Like you, like that's insane. Well, I, I get that you'd want like to like make that connection for like notoriety, but it's like again, she was barely there, so like yeah. you're gonna know her more so as like Taya Valkyrie than you would like for sure. Uh, uh, I yeah. agree with you. The uh, Natalia Markova, she's she's pretty green. Um, she looks great. She's got a lot of potential. Um, she makes a lot of those rookie mistakes too, but. Um, I think that she's going to learn. And it's very obvious that they put their rookies in the ring with uh, with veterans so they can learn. So I can't fault them on that. It's really hard to nitpick things like this uh, because of that reason, knowing that they're learning and stuff. Um, but man, the finishes are just, they've like throughout pretty much almost throughout the entire show, especially with the undercard, they were bad. They just came out of nowhere. There was no sense to them. They, did, they didn't Most have any psychology. Most of them were schoolboys. Like here, it was a heel kick, but it was just like a not very good looking one, and like you just didn't think it was gonna be the finish. Oh yeah, and then the fucking leg slap, and it was just, it was weird. Like there was just no psychology whatsoever building up to these finishes, and they just kind of happened, and they were very underwhelming. Mm. Well, 
This is Did you catch this match? No, I didn't. I did not. Okay. But um I do have uh an update for us that's not related to this at all. Oh, okay. No Cody Rhodes on Raw tonight. Sorry. Okay. Well, I don't know what the well. f- you know. So much for the so much for the reports. Yep. Well, to be fair, all the reports were like he's either on Raw or he's like done. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, I don't or know. Done. I think that we should have like sense. we should have like a a special like Cody like news break um like music cue that I can play to just interrupt you guys talking about the Valkyrie <laughs> match that I can just play and and just to tell you there's no news. Like just chime well, in his music. <laughs> All right, we won't get off on that tangent, but yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Um I guess that takes us to the main event. Uh Briscoe's versus well, sort of versus Lucha Brothers. Uh Ray still out because uh Ray Phoenix is still out because of his arm. Uh he still came out, but he was in street clothes, so it was pretty obvious he was not going to wrestle, and he's replaced by um Arez. I can't remember like the rest of his name, but Arez, uh I think he's from triple A. Uh, this guy was pretty decent, um, but Penta and uh, the Briscoes are obviously like really, really good tag team uh, people. Uh, I thought this was a pretty solid match. Good hard-hitting stuff. Uh, Penta whipped out that uh, double victory roll uh, Canadian Destroyer again that he had at the pay-per-view for AEW. This was just a solid contest. Uh, Briscoes won, which means they won uh, both the Hog uh, tag team titles and also retained the Ring of Honor titles, I thought there was maybe a slight risk they would lose just because of certain reports about uh, some executives at uh, TNT not being thrilled about them and that seeming to be an obstacle of them signing with AEW. But, you know, they're still ROH champs, and I guess you guys will be seeing them live in Dallas in a couple weeks. We sure will. I'm stoked about that. Yeah, um, it does. it does look like FTR is the most likely uh, opponent for them. It seems that way, especially with Tony getting the book too. And uh, you know what? Like, we also didn't talk. Like, like I said, they had some. They they brought they brought some names in, and it's really cool that they're trying. Um, even if the matches aren't like particularly great, um, they brought in Biff Music to wrestle Loki, which mm-hmm. on paper sounds fucking phenomenal. The match wasn't bad, but it wasn't like yeah as good as I expected either. I don't know what's going on there. If like that's by design or they don't see it as one of the big indies or something like that. I have no idea, but you're, are um, you just talking about these guys effort levels? Uh, yeah. Putting these matches together. Uh, yeah. Or maybe it's the booking. I have no idea. I have no idea the situation with the booking or if they just see it as like your run of the mill, like non-consequential indie show or something. So yeah. I don't know. I really don't, but solid show. If you love wrestling and you love keeping up with indie wrestling, it's definitely a show that you should watch. Um, if not, skip it straight up. You're not missing anything. So, word. What's that is our review? Yeah. What's next? What do you guys want to talk about next? You want to go New Japan or you want to talk AEW? Let's uh, let's go over let's go over New Japan a little bit, and then we got GCW as well because we're gonna go over New Japan really quick. We're still kind of in the prelims of the New Japan Cup. I say prelims, but they're not really prelims. Opening the, the, rounds. Prelims, yeah. rounds. The opening yeah. the opening rounds are just there. It's just there's just so many people in it, and we're starting to see the cup take place. Like it was kind of almost boring, not bad, but boring in the first couple in the first round. And now that we're moving into the second round, it's still not great, but it um, 
but it's be fair, we're there. still we we still only saw first round matches. It was just that we saw we did. better That's true. first round matches. That's true. There, it start. It is starting to pick up. And the thing about New Japan is they love to build the build to things. And I kind of trust where they're going. They don't always start off hot, but uh, unless it's like the G one or something like that. But they are really good at like building, especially the New Japan Cup. And and we did see like a great match that will probably be one of the best matches of the entire tournament uh, between Shingo and Ishii, um, two of the absolute top tier best wrestlers in the world this would be a match i'd say go out of your way to watch we were in absolute awe watching this match it was just it was like we we talked about that it happened the same weekend as like the aw pay-per-view and stuff and the aw pay-per-view was fantastic and my favorite match was eddie kingston versus chris chris jericho but this match holy fuck it was better a different beast yeah it's it is a different different beast beast. it's hard it's, it's it's hard to compare these kinds of matches but like as far as to me, this was the absolute best match all weekend long. It was just holy fuck, man. These guys are just unreal. And I feel like they're going to like you kind of see them as like like two rivals that are always going to butt heads for years to come. And holy fuck, I can't wait to see more of that. Yeah. EOD, what did you think about this, man? I thought this was awesome. I mean, it's a, just like a classic uh type of match where it's just you know that both guys are really brutal and hard hitting uh you got a lot of back and forth everything was tit for tat pretty much uh you you know one person would do like one move and the, the other would go for like their equivalent or something there was even some finisher stealing yeah uh, for they both did, guys too they did this really cool thing their psychology of this match was it was like can you top this so every time they they each did similar stuff but every each person did something a little more like you had Ishii did the fucking uh, superplex off the second rope. So then they worked into a Shingo doing the superplex off the top rope. They were always trying to top each other. And it just got cra- it got crazier and crazier and crazier. Then they were headbutting each other. And then Ishii did this big headbutt and knocked mm-hmm. Shingo down. And like every time was like, hey, you did this. Well, I'll do this better. And it was just, it was so classic. It was a classic tit for tat match. And just they're both masters of psychology. Like I would think it would be really cool to like you could probably hire Ishii somewhere to to be a, a wrestling an agent to put together matches anywhere and the matches would be just incredible because he would probably like say hey you need to do this and this is how the psychology is going to work or something I don't know how what his coaching abilities are like but man if he could figure out how to like share his knowledge of psychology and stuff like that man the business would be better off I think. This match would have been a bigger story if it wasn't good, you know. <laughs> yeah, up. that's fair. <laughs> but it's it's what you'd expect from two of the top ten wrestlers on the planet, in my estimation. Like telling a story essentially of about asserting dominance mm-hmm. or trying to assert dominance. Like you've seen footage of two giant ass bucks having a showdown, like like on those nature specials and stuff, like bashing <laughs> heads, and that's what this was. Like, and eventually it was that literally. But I mean, there was a late counter exchange that was kind of capped by this fierce combination of forearms from Shingo. And like, dude, it's New Japan. Like, we're going to see some forearm shots. But mm-hmm. this late in the match, like right after that counter exchange, man, it was just, it was so fucking good. And even Kevin Kelly was finally showing a bit of fire on the English commentary. Like, mm-hmm. it's the main event, right? So he should be, but he doesn't, 
he doesn't always build up to it. Like you think, all right, I'm not going to, he's not going to blow all of his excitement on the undercard. He's going to wait to them. He doesn't always do that. He basically he kind buries of, the undercard. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah he, and, he and he can even seem bored in main events and even classic matches. But then toward the end, there was a kick out at one fest, which I don't always like, but man, it was so awesome here. I, I, the reason I love that because that's what you should do. I was telling the guys this the other night, like if somebody uses your finisher against you, right? You should mm-hmm. kick out at one because yeah. that's kind of seen as like a disrespect. It's like turning your back on an opponent. It's like the rule of like the baby face should always walk forward and never backwards. They, the baby face can walk forward and side to side because they look yeah. like a coward when they walk backwards. Heels should move side to side and backwards. So this is kind of the same thing. If somebody uses your move on you, you kick out at one. That's your fucking move. Yeah. And it and and he knew that. He knows that. And, he, and when he did it, it was so it got such a huge pop. It gave me goosebumps. I remember when he good. did that, I got goosebumps. And like the level at the, the level and speed at which they were working with each other, um, this late in the match was just yeah. fucking amazing. Like just top tier wrestlers. Shingo hit ishii with like a disgustingly brutal made in japan and because of where the camera was you you see where ishii's head is here and it was just like it's a move everybody kicks out of pretty much right you know because it's not last of dragon but this one was so brutal and i was finally fucking surprised when ishii kicked out at two of this move like i'm never surprised mm-hmm. when somebody kicked. but credit ishii for getting like that little mini drama across where he looks dead, and and I'm thinking, well, fuck. I, even I, who knows better, was surprised when he kicked out. And that's, I got worked in that regard, and I loved it. But I'm going to say this, and if I'm allowed to rant a little bit, I'm going to rant. You know those memes that say, you know, guys only want one thing, and it's disgusting? <laughs> yeah, and it's always something other than sex, right? And yeah. the meme, like, it's, you know, like... Um, a fucking bag of Taco Bell and Elden Ring or something, you know, whatever. <laughs> I saw one that was um, Tomohiro Ishii holding the IWGP. Uh, yeah, I know that one. I'm pretty <laughs> right. sure I posted that one in our chat before. So, um, yeah. So, I'm going to say this. Fuck the finish. Fuck not putting Ishii through. I'm tired of it. Give us this match deeper in the tourney so we get other great Shingo matches. Like, mm-hmm. I'm allowed to be pissed about this. Like, I guess it's just the company line that he isn't going to be a big enough draw to, you know, be in main events or maybe have a title run. I don't know. And I I guess I'm speaking from across the pond with nothing but my 999 yen, right, that I pay for New Japan World (laughs) as as like, you know, my my bartering tool here. But and and Shingo's post-match promo, like he refers to Ishii as a crazy old man, according to the translation that we got. Mm hmm. And I, you know, I guess and he's he's only seven years older than Shingo, right? But his saying that kind of maybe sums up Ishii's spot in New Japan, I guess. We were, you know, we were talking last week, I think, about do we still care who goes over or do we just care about great matches? But you know what? That I last, care about. I care. Yeah. I care and, about yeah. Ishii. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And dude, that last vestige of me being a mark. And I don't care. Like I'll, I'll call it call, mm-hmm. really drives my passion for watching current product. Right. It's like me still walking the carnival grounds with my family and my eyes getting wide as we approach like the little spook house ride or whatever. And like hoping this is going to this is going to be the one that's fucking finally scary and awesome. You know, that's that's what this is. And like 
I'd be perfectly content and without that. I think I'd be perfectly fine just watching older matches with that I haven't seen, you know, with the advantage of like hindsight and reading people's recommendation recommendations or cage match ratings or Meltzer ratings or whatever. But, you know, you, you can program yourself. You can program things yourself that way. But, you know, you know, we're not just unpaid journalists or poser like gourmet wrestling critics like we are there's still some vestige and i know like nobody wants to be called mark but there's still some vestige of of me that is um inside of me that's a mark because dude i wanted to see she went so fucking bad there's nothing i want more new japan than that for that guy to finally get a run and i it just they're not gonna do it i guess into I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I think a lot, a lot of us want to see Ishii fucking like get his due, like his recognition in, in, in the, in the form of like being champion because he knows how to make people care about him. That's every why he's of, so yeah, good. Yeah. Every main event with Ishii as champion, you know, it's going to be fucking awesome. But I, you can say that about Shingo too. And man, like I didn't want Shingo to be out in the first round either. And when I saw this on paper, I knew where it was going and mm-hmm. I was just hoping that I was wrong. I wasn't. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. So we're still catching up on the Japan Cup. We're a little behind, but it's it's a it's it's a lot of stuff. But uh, I did want to probably... briefly note uh, because you just talked about how like, Kevin Kelly was actually passionate. Was, he was actually passionate during one undercard match. Okay, uh, yeah, Hiromu versus Show. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. There was a part that we rewinded like maybe fifty times because he, he so like, Yujiro comes out to interfere. And Kevin Kelly just yells at him to the point where you can hear him on the actual audio, not just the dubbed over uh, commentary. So you can yeah. hear him like in the crowd, in like the arena, like echoing. And this is like, you know, a crowd that has to be silent outside of like, you know, foot stomps and claps and whatnot. So this is the only voice you can hear. And he's just like, you didn't think we would notice you skunk. <laughs> it was so yeah, he just, like He screamed as loud as he could. And we, we were dying laughing, just rewinded it so many times. He sounded so dorky screaming. He sounded like a real like nerd yelling. He did. And uh, it was yeah. so funny. And this Man, match so... besides was one that I had circled. You know, I, I'm a big fan of well, obviously Hiromu, but I'm a big fan of show. I think he's got incredible future, maybe even main event level like future. Um, I don't know if it's too early in his single run to consider this a big time match, but it felt like that to me. And like the heel tactics he was employing, were more creative than the normal like this like and more and better executed than like the uh, dick dastardly shit i think that we I mean, see like saw, evil matches no i'm saying we did we still, still see, saw the nut shot we still, still saw the nut shot and and what i'm saying is we didn't need that he didn't need that to, to yeah. get over as a heel like he was doing you know he was still doing heel shit like he like used a chair as a distraction for the ref and then he had another foreign object and stuff but it was really creative and really well done. He seems really mean doing it. Great shit. And I think he's really good. And I, he seemed like a legit dangerous competitor. We didn't need Yujiro, we, but I'm glad we got it because we got the funny <laughs> Kevin Kelly shit. Well, yeah. with, that, with, with that match, we're also kind of starting to get the... There's a lot of Bullet Club drama in the on the horizon for this tournament. There's a lot of Bullet Club versus Bullet Club matches. And after uh, the Grills of uh, Wrestling... Or Grills of Destiny, sorry... They got tur- they were got stabbed in the back by Jay White and uh, they're in this tournament. Uh, another, yeah, yeah, and then it was it's yeah we're we're looking forward to this is part of that this is part of the uh, drama within within the Bullet Club again. 
So I really hope that this actually ends up putting Bullet Club back on track and more cohesive going forward because yeah. they are a very cool faction and they've kind of lost their luster a little bit, even though they have some really good wrestlers in the in the faction. With that said, it almost it almost makes it sound like we're we're saying that show is going through a no. He got rolled up for the, for yeah, the exactly. so he will yeah. not be representing the Bullet Club going yeah. forward in the which Japan which Cup. which which makes sense because Yujiro for the story because even though like I want to see Show succeed, uh, Yujiro is a very very long time loyal member of the Bullet Club, and the story is going to pack more weight with him going forward in the tournament against other Bullet Club members. Isn't he eliminated uh, in Show right now? Is he eliminated now? I don't think so. Yeah, I thought he lost to Naito. Um, if he when, hasn't lost already, he will be. I and I'm I'm ashamed to say that like we're behind, especially me. Oh well, on, well on yeah, we, we, you're getting we you're that. getting ahead of yourself. You're getting ahead of yourself. That. Yeah, uh, we did. Did we see that? Yeah, I could have sworn we watched that last week. Oh, maybe we did. My bad, dude. I don't fucking. It's we watched a lot of wrestling. My apologies. <laughs> For sure, well, it's okay. tough. It's tough. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna catch up. I mean, we'll we'll I think we can agree between the three of us that we'll prioritize this New Japan Cup, man. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, especially when we get further into it, it's gonna be way more exciting. We'll do more more. Um, we'll do better coverage of it uh, as it as it moves along. I know we have one match I'm really looking forward to that we haven't watched yet is uh, mm-hmm. Will Osprey versus yeah. El Phantasmo. El yeah. Phantasmo is my favorite up and comer. So in, good. Uh, yeah, and so Will Osprey is pretty much maybe the best in the world right now. So I'm excited to see like how that's going to play out. I'm sure Will Osprey is going to win that match, but man, like I'm ready to see El Fantasmo seen on a light with in the same light as a main eventer. Like I'm ready to see that first step. So looking forward to that. And you know, we'll get like I said, we'll get we'll have some better coverage going forward. As the show goes on, it'll be easier to cover it because there won't be as many matches to cover at a time. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. So there we go. It's right. fun. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a, a mark for tournaments. <laughs> yeah, I like tournaments. They're fun, and that'll tie into later uh, the show too. Ah, awesome. all right. Uh, What's so next here? We got uh, GCW. Next, yeah, right? GCW. Um, do we want to start with Atticus Kogar? Yeah, so GCW had the show Astronaut, and we haven't really seen Atticus Kogar, uh, who was a staple of GCW for a while, and they haven't really been doing anything or committing anything with him, and he hasn't been on as many shows as His of late. His gimmick was that he was like disgruntled, and that they weren't booking yeah. him, and like kayfabe became reality. So, yeah, but they. I was also wondering, like, where is everybody else? Like, where's the rest of the four four zero? Which was a fact was a big heel faction, a major heel faction in GCW with RSP and Gregory Iron and uh, a bunch of other guys. And there's just there's a there's a few there's a handful of guys. Schlack. I haven't seen Schlack in a while. Like, I haven't seen a lot of these GCW mainstays in a in a, in a good while. And uh, I didn't know why. And if only there was a promotion that they could all you know turn to and, and work in. And we'll get there too. So, so, so what came out was that I saw this fightful interview uh, with Atticus Kogar, and he was talking about how he, why he didn't want to work at GCW anymore. He wasn't happy. He did his best not to bury them or anything. He kind of still uh, did though. <laughs> but, but, but he did. I mean, but the thing is, is I don't think it's even possible not to. And I, I really yeah. like GCW. I really think it's like the cool thing going right now as far as indie wrestling goes. But at the same time, I really don't like what I heard from this interview. He said he uh, he's a fellow straight edge guy. David and I are straight edge. And it means a lot to us. 
And that's one of the reasons why we really like this guy. He's straight edge. He's got the X's tattooed on his hands. Um, cool dude. And he was talking about how there's But kind of importantly a... for like the story is he wasn't always because he used to have issues. Yeah, he had. Yeah. And he, 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 he dealt with addiction and stuff like that. And he overcame it. And so he talks about like there's a drug culture in the GCW locker room. And that's absolutely alarming. In this day and age, you know, there's a lot of guys in wrestling that don't uh, partake in drugs and they don't go out and fucking drink and get fucked up after shows like the old timers did. And that's a big positive for the business. But when I hear about the drug culture backstage at GCW, it really fucking bothers me, especially when they have they book people like like Nick Wayne, who's 16 fucking years old. And they have like younger wrestlers there that are cutting their teeth. And apparently there's this drug culture in the locker room. That's alarming and pretty fucking disgusting if I do say so myself. And you guys know I love GCW and that fucking disgusts me. So Atticus Kogar, he's talking, he talks about it and they're starting their own promotion. It's called Circle Six. They're having their very first show coming up. The card looks fantastic. And a lot of those guys that I mentioned that haven't, been on the card of G- on the GCW cards lately are going to be on this show. So they have a place to work. I don't know why like AEW hasn't signed RSP or, you know, nobody's looked at RSP because I think he's a fucking top tier talent. I think that somebody needs to fucking pick him up really like soon. He's very good. He's big. He's super athletic and he can fucking talk. And uh, so I don't know why nobody's picked him up. It's insane to me. Um, Atticus, I think he has some time to go before he's like really considered to be like a guy that um, should be on TV. But that doesn't mean I don't like him. I think he's fucking awesome. And, uh, you know, they're they're bringing in Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels also obviously likes them. We'll see Brody King on that show. Schlack will be on that show. Uh, the show looks good so far. So I'm looking forward to that. We will cover that show as well. And yeah, and and who knows like what what kind of impact that promotion's gonna have i mean the, the indie Could landscape is, is littered and um you know really i don't like gcw as much as you um i know that we saw a show back in the late summer or early fall where i thought you know if they it had a great the show had a great flow matches were above average and I, man, I hate to say this because I don't like drawing comparisons to ECW, nor do I think ECW at any point is a gold standard. I was a huge fan, but it really did feel like some of the ECW pay-per-views, the way they flowed, like the better ones. Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed, and I, I don't think they've really matched it again. They've had technical issues, but I, I forgive that kind of stuff. I just, I'm not... I'm not I don't think it's as cool as you do. And and we've talked about this before. In fact, I think sometimes it's a little dorky. Mm-hmm. And they've got some they've got some great they've got some great guys getting repeat bookings. But we were we were going back and forth about their core guys, who was core, who wasn't. I don't think the Briscoe brothers are. I think they're they're, you know, filling a gap between, you know, whatever's going on with the Ring of Honor. I don't know that we'll be seeing them too much in GCW going forward. I could be wrong. But uh, I, we're going either listen, way. We're, we've either way, to, they're having been, a run there. We've been the yeah, we've been the GCW shows before. We're going WrestleMania weekend, so they've got plenty of time to win me back over. But yeah, hearing this shit about the drug culture in the locker room, man, I'm not shocked, dude. Yeah, that and that, that, that sours me on that. Yeah, and I'll be and I'll be honest, like I like a good you know 
garbage match every once every once in a while, but I'm not interested in seeing it every night. Um, mm-hmm. We were, you know, that main event that we saw. Um, remind me who was in the main event the night the night we went. It was uh, uh, it, Cologne it, it, and it was Ox um, Cologne and, and AJ Gray and, and Gray. Yeah, you know when they're when they're trading little light tube spots and it seems very polite. It's very weird, <laughs> and uh, I just I don't know. I, I don't know. If Sam, I, I'm not I can surprised agree with that. about it. I, I see a yeah. lot of a lot of those guys. It it does seem kind of like the island of misfit toys, and I can kind of admire that. And I'm glad they have a place to go. But man, sometimes it's really taxing to get through a whole GCW show. With that said, like there is, I, I, we talked about this in the past, like GCW's biggest problem is they have all this great shit, like all the tools, right? But they are having trouble putting it together. And one of the reasons for that is they don't have a good booker. They don't have a, they don't have a great booker to help them put that stuff together to make them have stuff that makes sense for people to really sink their teeth into. Like they need somebody. Term. It's particularly long term, yeah. But they did kind of have uh, the the reason why they started blowing up uh, right before the COVID era was because of a guy like RSP. He's really creative. Who's no longer? He there. was the one who's no longer there. He was he was the guy that brought storylines to GCW before GCW was growing and getting popular because of um. That was growing and popular because they were doing dream matches mostly, right? They put together these cool-looking cards. They presented the cool matches, and that's it, right? Well, RSP wanted to do something different. He wanted to bring storylines to GCW, and that's where they got their big heat. So they had Nick Gage. Nick Gage was their top guy, their popular guy, and he wanted to work with Nick Gage. And so they that's and that's what they did. They did like this year-long, um, hot, hot, red-hot feud between the two and that's when i that's when it pulled my attention like that's when i started fucking checking it out and um that's what made them grow because people had something to sink sink their teeth into that the 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 way you write the way you bring a champion or a character or a hero um to be something that you can really latch on to is you have to have that character go through some adversity so nick gage he can have all these cool matches and these dream matches and like you could if you thought if you think nick gage versus fucking Doink the Clown, I get excited because it sounds like such a crazy, weird match. <laughs> I, I want to see Nick, Nick Gage wrestle everybody. But something more meaningful is to have a storyline, and that's exactly what they did. They put Nick Gage through some adversity. And that's all. That, that was, that was uh, RSP's creative um, mind doing all that. And that's when people really, 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 that's when it really started taking off. And now he's gone and it, you can tell, you can tell they don't have like this cohesive thing. I think the most cohesive thing that they have is, uh, is Matt Cardona. And to his yeah. credit, he's, he's there every show and he's been building this off of his feud with, with, uh, Nick Gage and people haven't cared as much about GCW, um, since his feud with Nick Gage. And that's the thing is like, they like, when is, when is Nick Gage going to get his revenge? Like, where's the fucking booking there? Why isn't Nick Gage coming after Nick or Matt Cardona? Where is the, where is the payoff? They need somebody there to well, fucking they took put the title it together. Off Cardona too, which was like the key. They did, thing yeah. Behind that feud, so it's just yeah, it's just wh- yeah, completely backwards. It's it's so shit. It's and it, it's not it's not good. And I, I I believe in GCW. I want them to do good. I think that that's the thing. They just need somebody to help them fucking put this shit together. Period. And that's that's what's holding them back. 
Um, I, and I, and yeah. you can say you can say they're not being held back because they are still growing. Uh, they're growing off this name and everything, and then having John Moxley as champion and stuff like that—that's still um, going to help them grow and stuff. But in the long term, if you don't have something that people can sink their teeth into, it's 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 not going to keep going. And uh, and and I want them to. I really do. So I think that's the big thing. Like that's I I, I see it. I like it. I think it's cool. But most of all, I believe in it. I believe in what it could be and where it could go. And it's not always like that. And some of the shows aren't the best and some of them don't flow, but sometimes they do. It's like very wishy-washy. I do think that this show that we're about to review was actually pretty good. And we ended up watching most of the, I think we only skipped like one match and um, skipped a couple, but we skipped, well, technically we skipped two, but there's a reason it was a technical issue is the reason why we skipped two. And, um, but it was, it was a really good show. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll get into that right now. Yeah, go ahead, uh, UOD. You want to take the lead? Yeah, so we've got uh, AR Fox versus uh, Nick Wayne, uh, as we mentioned, 16-year-old Nick Wayne, uh, surrounded by addicts and all kinds of horrible things, um, apparently. But uh, this match, I thought, was okay. Um, Joey, you've always been a really big fan of uh, AR Fox. Uh, this was the yeah. I think this was like the first... It might have been the first full match I've seen from him. Like you showed me some of his highlights, but it's the first time I saw him in a whole match. He was really good. Uh, Nick Wayne is still really young and green, and like the first half of the match is like super, super choreographed. But like once it takes off, like and like Fox just sort of carries it, it, it gets a lot better. I mean, Fox hard carried this match, and that's not a knock on Nick Wayne. It's just that he's learning and. This was a really good learning match for him. The match wasn't incredible or anything. AR Fox is, to me, is probably the best non-signed to a big company wrestler out there. Like, he's the best. I mean, I guess you can say, like, maybe, like, Tim- Timothy Thatcher, he's been, like, let go and everything. But Well, like, listen, like, like that, not counting, but, like, people who are might still be yeah, there but, 90 days. Yeah, but people, but people, like, somebody who's never been put in, like, a big company, AR Fox is the best of them, I think. And uh, he hard-carried this match, and... You know they did what they could, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was there, and uh, I was. It, it sucks to not see Ar Fox in like a big high-profile match, but I do see why they put them in this in the, him in this match. So it's cool to see, cool to see Ar Fox in GCW, and I hope it continues. Yeah, he's he's terrific, and you turned me on to him because you were watching Evolve, and I think you sent me one of those really good mini docs that they oh, put yeah. together about him. Man, that was really good stuff, and. Um, I know that we talked about um, Gabe Sapolsky being out there and, uh, you know, I just, I know this is an interjection here, but Tony Khan needs to hire that motherfucker. Gabe Sapolsky? Hell yeah, yeah he does. Somebody needs to use Gabe Sapolsky yeah. in wrestling right now. If they be, you bring in Gabe Sapolsky, you'll get the best booking going. Like yes. Your show will have the best stories and the best booking and your characters, the, the, the these wrestlers that are diamonds in the rough will become the diamonds that they're supposed to be. He's he's yeah. good at that. Um, what did you guys think of this venue that they're running in in uh, Atlanta? Loved it, loved it. It's my it's my second favorite GCW venue now. What's like your he, first? Um, there's a there's that. Uh, well, you know what? I'm not sure because there's the like there's the Detroit stadium. one. Yeah, there's the home stadium that's just really magic, and then there's that um, there's that Detroit that Detroit building, and then there's the New York building that has church? that giant screen. Yeah, yeah, and then the. Uh, <laughs> It's it's just weird, and then there's the um, the other one I really like is the uh, I, you know the New York one is my favorite because they have that really big screen. It's where they did that emo show 
mm-hmm. and they have that really big screen and it's the one that looks the biggest the biggest the best it looks the best it's the big time it looks like an iconic gcw show like it's very black and white it's very gritty looking but it also looks kind of clean as well and it looks it looks big time because they have that big ass screen there and everything and uh, that one's my favorite, but this one's definitely my second favorite. I love how dark it is around the ring. It reminded me of like studio wrestling and um, like some straight up old like fucking NWA stuff. And yeah, uh, well, it, that's, it that's great. because yeah, and that's because I and I read up about it. The place is called Center Stage, and it's a performing arts center. Um, mm-hmm. But NW, NWA used to run shows there like during the eighties. Um, okay. And I'm not sure. I might be mistaken. I know the new NWA has some things booked coming going forward, but I don't know if that's where they were taping those power shows. Yeah, I'm not um, sure. I know they it was like studio wrestling style, but I'm not sure if that's where yeah, it was. It's a 60s building. It looks it's a theater in the round. It's fucking awesome. It's a great place for a res- wrestling show this size. You can sell all the seats. Terrific. I fucking the love thing it. I- the thing I didn't like about it is like how the hard cam like had to be high because there's seats all around the ring, like okay, full yeah. 360 degrees around the ring. And um, the hard cam had to have this like really deep angle uh, from way up high. And I did not really like that. But um, otherwise, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic building. And I'm, I'm sure they're going to be going back there. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's great shit. Uh, so ne- that was oh go ahead yeah sorry. next up we had a uh, gringo loco versus ninja mac uh on paper i really looked forward to this and this was pretty good there was a couple little botches here and there but like uh i'm actually i'm a pretty big fan of both these guys i think gringo loco is a pretty good worker uh ninja mac uh is just like a really fun athlete to watch um he always does like that crazy like triple backflip before doing like the dive to the outside over the top rope uh, it's awesome. There was a few like sloppier parts in the match, um, a few things that like maybe like weren't really botches but could have looked better. Uh, but overall, I thought this was just a really fun bout. Gringo Loco's becoming a favorite of mine. Fucking awesome, doing like uh, doing crazy shit. The finish was just an insanely like clean power bomb through a door, and uh, like all, like a door is set up as like a table. And he re- yeah, he reversed a Rana into a power yeah. bomb and sat him down yeah. to the table. It was yeah, beautiful. and it was it was sick. Yeah, this match was awesome. I and thought, I, I, yeah, I thought this match was kind of wasted. Just just being on the card, like this seems like this seemed like a big deal to me because these these are two guys that are kind of fan favorites, and I I think you could have I think you could have done the Wrestle, WrestleMania weekend show. I know yeah. Ringo Loco yeah, has his own event. Like this could have been yeah. a bigger deal than it was, and and yeah. guess what? If this would have been the same exact match that they would have built to and promised, it would have delivered. Yeah, nobody yeah. would have been sad about the this same match. match. Yeah, it was it was it was great. Yeah, that's and that's the thing. That's the thing. Like nobody's there to help GCW say, "Hey, don't fucking do that. Save it. Save it for the fucking big show." Like nobody's there to tell them to do At that. At the same but, time, I mean, like we're not business insiders, and we know this stuff. True, like. It can't be that hard to like, you know, you don't need like Gabe Sapolsky in to tell you like, oh, hey, you should, you know, build a proper feud. You'd be surprised with what some of these guys think, man. Just in my experience that people running the shows don't always know like when and where to put matches and stuff like that. You would be you would be absolutely surprised. And, you know, maybe they have plans for them down the line. Maybe they want to build something. I don't think so, but because it definitely felt like an exhibition but maybe they just wanted something really solid to be on this show on the card, even though they had they had really good matches on this show. And um, 
Jesus Christ, fucking they had Jonathan Gresham here, you know? They they didn't need to do this match this show. They could have saved it and they, people would have yeah. been pumped. They could have built it and, and these guys are so used to being in multi-man matches anyway. They could have built it and maybe just, hey, I, this is unbelievable, but what if they just did like a regular tag tag team match in the, on the undercard with these guys without yeah. eight dudes running around that wasn't for the GCW tag team championships because how often do they just have your standard you know four-man tags yeah um that's not for a title on these cards i, I can't remember them doing i'm sure they have uh, yeah i'm sure they have but i you're right i can't even think of one right now and the, so, you know yeah. what like but you know and, and you would you could say the same about um you know you could do you could do but you could there's still other matches that green goku loco could have that would be big matches like you could put him versus like speedball mike bailey at wrestlemania weekend and that'd be fucking mm, awesome yeah but another thing another thing that we we're talking about too they don't they need somebody to put it together because uh gringo loco was babyface again <laughs> yeah he was yeah they keep going back and forth like, he was super heel last time we saw him no he super was babyface the last like, first yeah and two oh, yeah ago, two weeks yeah. ago they just there's no fucking consistency and I, are you I talking about it. the wagner match yeah he was okay. full-blown heel but has he been was he heel immediately before or since then have they been going back no forth he was, before he was the, it no, was psycho the, clown not what not wagner. yeah okay okay psycho okay clown. psycho clown sorry okay yeah. so he was so he was he was super baby face before that like a week or two before mm-hmm. that super heel that that show and now he's back to being babyface and okay, so but, okay okay hold on there's precedent for that because psycho clown's coming in he's a special attraction you know that he's gonna get the babyface pop um it, there's precedent for a, a guy who's normally babyface working heel for for a visitor like that and, and but he was guess what nah. we talked about one at the top of the show because joe was working heel against kobashi a little bit uh, true in, but in you're right match. but it was a little bit and like, like Gringo Loco was like tearing shit at his talking mask. to fans, tearing at his mask, giving the fans the middle finger, like like going overboard with it. Like it, when I say yeah. super heel, I mean super heel. It was in a vacuum. So, like he didn't do like a heel turn at the beginning of the match or anything. It, it, yeah. I didn't get a sense that it was anything other than here's a guy, special attraction. He's going to get the baby face reaction. So let's have somebody work heel against him. I don't know, maybe put a heel in the match, but they wanted Gringo Loco to work him and it was pretty good. And then they shook hands at the end of the match. Like, Hey, I'm, it's all good. Sorry. I was a dick. And now he's baby face again, but there is precedent for that. I think, you know, um, guys working heel and especially in the Indies to, uh, when there's a special attraction in town. Yeah, I can. Okay, I mean, it, it didn't bother me as much as I think it bothered you. It bothers me a lot, and I just, it, I, th- I the main reason is because it just adds to the like, the thing that they need somebody to put it together. They just, they just do. I think, I think they could have done this. They could have yeah. done this without him being as heel as he was. Maybe like the fans would have treated him like a heel, but they, it, he, it didn't have to be so overboard. And it's just, to me, it just goes right on top of all of that shit. Um. Next match was better than it really had any business being. Matt Cardona versus Action Mike Jackson. Holy uh, so shit. So Action Mike Jackson is a 72-year-old guy. Uh, Matt Cardona initially puts him over as like a Hall of Famer. Uh, Cardona's also in Buzz Lightyear gear that looked pretty spiffy, if I do say so myself. Uh, <laughs> this was like a very old-school type match. Uh, Action Mike's really good at doing these good worked punches. Uh, Cardona gives him like this old school kind of exaggerated selling. Uh, 
Action Mike Jackson does some dives. Uh, they're kind of cheaty, like he, you know, kind of drags his feet for him. But like, still, like the fact that you're seeing like the seventy-two-year-old man like do dives is hilarious. Uh, and of course, you know, like you know, the old guy goes out on his back. Uh, Cardona cuts a promo saying that you're not a has been, you're a never been, which is kind of contradictory to what he said before about him. But I guess it's fine to bury someone after the match. Uh, well, I mean, then, that's, you know, that's a heel a, thing, you know. Yeah, still on the line, and then there's a, going back. And then there's a Chris. Uh, Dickens uh confrontation there but uh this was a, this, I, this was like just a silly but like I mean it was like the only thing silly about it was that like one of the competitors was 72 years old this was otherwise like a really solid match yeah it was good I mean it was well I don't know about good but it was fun uh I don't like the fact that he was selling so hard for a 72 year old man I get he's the chicken shit heel but um he's also the guy that has a win over Nick Gage and uh the nwa champion <laughs> and, and the nwa champion and i did not like the amount that he was selling and how stupid it was but at the same time it was really fun to see this fucking 72 year old man who's in pretty decent shape do all this crazy shit and uh so it was ultimately fun the cardona promo was good uh he ended the promo while wearing the buzz lightyear gear that yeah. he was his star was gonna move go infinity to infinity and beyond. Yep, <laughs> and uh, that was pretty good. Cardona is doing the best work of his career, but this I did not like because of it. Just it was stupid. It was clown show shit, and I didn't <laughs> like that. Yeah, there's a there's a um, I guess action Mike Jackson is a staple of like the Georgia wrestling scene, and if okay. um yeah if if you on if you go over to WWE's website they have an old NWA match between him and Flair. And I was shocked other than like a few wrinkles. He maybe looks better now than he did oh then. And, but, <laughs> dude, but he was a good solid worker and he was, you know, if you like, I agree with you, Joey, like he maybe should have sold a few punches and then, you know, beat, beat him. Put him away. He's the, yeah. NW, he's the NWA fucking champion. Um, but the the fact that like he sold for him about as much as Flair sold for him when he was like in his prime is, is pretty fucking weird. They're both NWA champions, so he had some experience there. But yeah, uh, interesting, entertaining. I'll, I'll give it that, and worth checking out if uh, if you're interested in seeing a 72 year old guy who can work punches better than half the you know rosters that are in North America today. Yeah, he had amazing punches, man. Like he that's some fucking good shit. That's some good old school shit. Not fucking slapping his chest to fucking make a sound while while having like the fakest looking punch of all time. Those are some good Jerry Lawler like punches, man. They were good. Yeah. So I give him credit on that. Um but yeah, like I, I I think like they could have done this and we could have had a lot of fun watching action Mike Jackson wrestle literally any other heel in the company. But th- th- that's the thing. They don't fucking have that many. And uh, oh. they're always hugging and kissing and all sorts of stupid shit. And they could have done that with uh, somebody else if they had more coherent booking. They did not need to waste one of their biggest attractions in Matt Cardona on this. Stupid. Stupid. Didn't like it. Thumbs down. Uh, next, we had ACH versus Tony Deppin. I didn't really have any thoughts on this match. It was kind of just there. It was you know a spot on the card. These guys. It was solid. Yeah. It was solid. Yeah, it was solid. It was fun. Tony Devin has great facial expressions and selling. Um, ACH is outstanding. It was, but it was okay. It was nothing um, over the over. It was nothing crazy. 
I like I like Tony Deppin. Um, he stood out to me when we saw uh, GCW live, and um, I read about him a little bit. I mean, he's got 13 years of experience, and he was just trained by a couple of indie guys who were in their mid 20s when they trained him. Um, huh. that's really impressive. Like he's an overachiever. I like his I like his you know mannerisms especially live like he's he's a lot of fun live i don't know if the camera picks up on all, all the little things he does you know i i don't know like he's former ring of honor television champion don't know where his future's at he's you know smaller dude but um i like his shit i think he's uh he's a really solid heel i if i was starting an indie company i'd like to i'd like to have him on my card yeah i i agree with you i, I agree with that 100 percent um ach needs to be somewhere like big time seems to be a common theme he's ready he's ready yeah he needs to be somewhere like what the fuck dude there's so many like we're they're hiring all these like uh xwwe guys and i don't know a lot of guys are yeah a lot of guys are getting lost in the mix right now Mm -hmm. with all the signings and all the releases and it's a lot lot going on but with you know ring of honor apparently being run as a, a separate company uh, they're gonna have to sign some more dudes. Actually, I'll sure. be honest; they don't have they to. Really don't. They really don't. They have plenty. They've got enough people on the roster to fill, yeah. fill both out for for all the shows, including Dark still. But but they probably will sign some more people for that. And you know, he'd be a good candidate. And um, you know, you mentioned RSP before; he'd be a good candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned AR Fox; like I'd get him. I'd Holy get him shit! Signed. Yeah. But um, it's an it's a good it's a good time you know, for, for guys to get some money. So hopefully these guys that have fallen through the cracks will, will get a paycheck, a, a nice steady paycheck. Absolutely. Uh, then uh, one of the few heels, uh, we had a showcase match. I We didn't really watch most of this, but we saw Janela interrupt it, just like squash all these guys and then cut a promo about how great he is. Um, he's a total heel after, you know, attacking Sean Waltman, but uh, the crowd did not treat him as such. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's again, so it's like, it kind of raises more questions about like making like Gringo Loco work heel against a guest. If you're just going to have, you know, your actual heels get cheered anyways, like who cares? Just like embrace whatever reaction you get, you know? I did like what they were going for here. I I love that. Like GCW doesn't have a whole lot of this. And this is, I love when they do things like this. I love when like they need this kind of shit. They, even whether it was good or bad. They need this kind of shit where they have a segment where the heel comes out and cuts a promo. They had like this promo time. I thought the way that he came out where he came in and it was like he was working a match but destroying these guys. I thought that was really stupid. It looked like a regular match, but it was supposed to be like a hot thing where he faking comes out and beats everybody up really fast. Like if you're going to do that, just do it faster. Just interrupt the match. Knock a couple guys down. Don't do any crazy moves. Do your X factor because that's the one that he did you know, against Xbox shit can the rest of the guys and get to the fucking promo because it was, this was stupid. Like it, this looked no different than a regular ass match. It looked like he put himself in the match. It was so bad looking, but GCW needs stuff like this. They need um, like ring in ring promo time for their wrestlers where they just stand in the ring and they talk on the mic and it's like a full segment. They need stuff like that. You know, G- ECW yeah. had stuff like that and they want to be like them so bad. So, I mean, it helps, it helps like, clear the palette between matches and stuff and built and finally and, you know some real build to real the builds. wrestlemania weekend matches where you know again that's going to be some of their biggest shows if not the biggest show of the year maybe 
saving for Hammerstein because you're going to have board wrestling fans in town that are that are going to go that wouldn't normally check out your uh-huh. show and they're running a decent sized venue there on the fairgrounds in Dallas and uh yeah they need to build for that shit it needs to be hot yeah and then, yeah uh, speaking of kissing and hugging we had AJ Graver's Effie <laughs> uh for the uh extreme title um this was decent uh AJ uh Gray like did like, he's a he's a really good worker. Um, Effie actually held zone pretty well. He did this cool TKO to a submission attempt, uh, but AJ escaped, uh, and then he uh, wins with just a really big lariat. And then uh, after the match, goes for a handshake and makes out with Effie. So you know, Effie seemed they to be ki- something yeah. like that. <laughs> they did a big kiss at the end. It was yeah. kind of like a tongue in cheek kind of kiss, but um literally or yeah yeah like yeah, not, not not literally but like he didn't <laughs> stick his tongue in his mouth but like no he grabbed him you by the know. face prove and like it. prove it and did it yeah. and did a big and did a big kiss and like but no the, the finish was awesome i think aj gray is awesome i really like him and uh i love his like his style like he's got like this brutal style and he's one of those guys that's not afraid to hit somebody and lay his shit in and he fucking did this the the, the lariat that he did at the end was one that i've never seen anybody do before like he did, he um, they did like a little reversal, and he got shot to the ropes. But instead of like hitting the ropes and coming back, he put his foot up and stopped himself on the second rope. Like hold on, like he fucking just stopped himself. Like it fit his style so yeah. perfect. He stopped himself and then just turned straight around and fucking hit the lariat like hard. Yeah, and that awesome. was that fucking finish was so good. I loved it. And um, yeah, and that was it was a good match. I thought it was really good. I I think Effie's a really solid worker. Um and. Yeah, it was great. I like this. And then uh, if you go out of your way to see any match from this event, it has to be this one. Jonathan Gresham versus Blake Christian for the ROH title. Um, Blake Christian's we've talked about before. He's really good. Uh, but Gresham's on like another level. Uh, this is the first time I've actually seen a full match with him. He was really good. He did a lot. Like he does a lot of really cool technical stuff. I liked... Just the way he carried himself, uh, he did this cool escape from a headlock by just like cartwheeling out of it. Um, did like some really cool, awesome athletic sequences off the ropes. Both of them did, uh, and like they just really like worked for like every hold that he put on. He kept going for like the octopus stretch, um, and like every time he would do it, you know, he would kind of like you know just like beat on Christian's neck, and uh, you know that would be like kind of how he would get to escape from it. Uh, they worked a few cross faces and whatnot where they're like going for the rope and Gresham keeps trying to pull him away from it, but that, you know, loosens his grip. So that's how Christian escapes. This was uh, just really, really solid. I really enjoyed this match. And then uh, Gresham ultimately uh, wins with getting the full octo stretch and then just like beats the crap out of Christian until the ref stops the match. Yeah. Excellent match. Top. This is the most top tier of match you're going to get on GCW probably like uh, as far as like in ring work goes. Blake Christian's really good. He's been like a really big surprise uh, to me since we started really watching these GCW shows. And uh, Jonathan Gresham is, he deserves to be the, the ROH world champion. He's on that level. And he's and, on uh, the, with, with ROH being in the spotlight, mm-hmm. he is on the precipice of, of breaking a, out. A, yeah. Potential yeah. huge fucking breakout. And he's got the talent and it's his time to, to show everyone what he's capable of. And it, it sounds like he's like, on the Jonathan Gresham tour, like defending the belts on, on, mm-hmm. you know, various indie shows. And man, I know you guys talked about, um, super card of honor last week, and I'm really excited for that. And I don't know if 
that will be the main event or not. And I think he, he was scheduled to defend it against Bandito. Mm-hmm. It's like a unification match. So it's a unification yeah. match, yeah. And is that still on? That I believe that's still on. As far as I know, that's still the announced match. I looked for the match. tweet on ROH's account, and I don't know if they deleted it, or maybe I'm just maybe I was just having a senior moment, couldn't find it. But Dude, ROH's social media game sucks. They took, like, days to even update that Tony Khan bought them. Yeah, I thought that was weird. That should have been like, <laughs> like and I like and maybe it was just something to do with the handover. But I thought, yeah, he, he, that should have been right away. But I don't know what's going on. Who's running it? How where that stands in like the you know the purchase of the company? Uh, who knows? Yeah, but that might have just been like kind of the gears might have just been slowly turning there. Yeah, keep your eye on Jonathan Gresham. He's probably not as over as past ROH World Champions are right now. But I'm telling you right now, he is on that level. And look out for him breaking out this year like in a big way and with Blake Christian sorry uh you know he's he's a guy that GCW existing is perfect for him Mm -hmm. really talented maybe doesn't have what's considered the look Mm -hmm. in the business right but it's it's that's why places like GCW can exist I think that's the most positive side of of these bigger indie promotions and yeah and and guys like that were you know ecw at one time was a place for guys like that to go to you know and do great stuff so yeah good pickup for them and and if they're smart and um you know he's willing they'll keep booking him yeah uh, so yeah this match was great definitely this is this is one that you could go out of your way to watch and you'd be happy doing it People are saying match of the year contender. I don't know if it was that. Like it was no Ishii versus Shingo or anything, but it was definitely, it was definitely phenomenal. And you you will become a fan of Jonathan Gresham watching this match. Hundred. There should almost always be two categories for Modi, and it should be Japan and everywhere. <laughs> straight, straight up, <laughs> honestly, enough. true. And that's pretty much going back for the last thirty years or plus. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we had the uh, main okay. event, right? Yeah. I'll be honest. I thought this was pretty rough. Um, we yeah. had uh, Nick Gage and uh, Tremont versus the two or second gear crew. Uh, this was just kind of. Uh, I, I wrote down that Steiner could cut a promo on Gage's new size. <laughs> he looked rough, uh, and it's just. I mean, I usually like his death matches. This was just. I don't this know. Is awful. Man, like, yeah, it was, it was awful just bad. Like there was just weird spots. Like just, and again, like David, you talked about this a bit where, like, just waiting for like each other to like take turns of the light tubes or like you know holding the light tubes to the crowd. Which I get that that like, happens in most of these, but it was just it felt really exaggerated this time. Where it's just something. Like, I'm just gonna stand here and like wait for you to like bash my skull open with a light tube. Mm. Something's wrong. Like I like I. It's no secret how much I love Nick Gage. I think that. um He's got that pro wrestling magic. Something's wrong here. He he. Ever since like uh, what the Houston show, when he didn't they for no reason at all he got pulled from the Dallas show that we went to. It was such a disappointment. Supposedly he got hurt in, yeah. in his match in Houston. We're yeah. we're and that's our guess. Like I, I'm not. We're speculating, so this isn't this is not confirmed or anything. But like our guess is that he got injured somehow and it's kind of a secret because he was kept off of GCW shows for a good long while up until the Hammerstein ballroom show. And he's, he's gained so much weight and it was just heartbreaking seeing this, like what's happening. Like what's like, I just want to know so bad what's wrong. And 
he we, we saw that promo that he cut before the Hammerstein Ballroom, and he was saying that like he was working the he was working everybody, saying that you know oh talk to the owner, that's why I'm not there, and that was like the, that was supposed to throw you off or whatever. But he was drooling mm. on himself. He was his speech was slurred, and he looked bad. So either he was on some pain meds or he got hooked on drugs again. I don't know what the, I want to know. Or he's just an excellent worker and worked his work yeah. as like next level because <laughs> yeah. we bought it and then he showed yeah. up and we were like, oh, yeah. we haven't worked. But something's um, he came, he yeah. came out he came out and he had gained so much weight and something's wrong. I think something's wrong. And when when you hear about um, when you hear about Atticus Kogar talking about the culture in the locker room, that's innate. That's that's being an enabler. If you have, if your top fucking wrestler that you signed to a contract, and nobody else is signed to a contract, your top baby face, the one that's carrying the fucking company on his back, is in a locker room where he's going to be an enabled. He's a former addict. Like what the fuck? You gotta fucking, you gotta fucking put, you gotta put your foot down. Yeah, that's, and yeah. you can't have anybody in that kind true. of environment. And we're merely speculating, and and you know, on and kind of applying what we heard in the or what we read in the Kogar interview to this. And Mm -hmm. who knows how related it is, or, you know, he may have just been on the couch with an injury and wasn't able to, you know, move around as much and was eating more than he was moving. And that happens. And, you know, if, you know, in the optimistic, you know, if I'm thinking optimistically, maybe he decided, you know, I'm going to put a little, I'm going to put some weight on like bucket and I'll just be a bigger guy for a little while. Um, and, And maybe that was a conscious decision because he's, injured and can't work out as much as he wants. Like I recently kind of strained my forearm and met his maid working out hell on my upper body. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows, man? Yeah. And I, so I just know that whatever it is, uh, something's wrong. And I, I, I really want to know what it is. And if, and if, if, if stuff is being ignored, you know, fucking shame on people for ignoring it. Like shame on whoever's in the company or whoever's running the company. Like, you need to care about his well-being, and uh, yeah. like I said, I'm just saying this. This is like I, there's no way to confirm, confirm exactly what Kogar said in his interview. But man, if that shit's going on, fucking stop! Like holy shit, especially when you have addicts in there. I don't care how cool drug culture is or weed culture or anything like that. You have a fucking business to run, and you have real fucking people with real fucking problems in your locker room, and that shit is enabling. That's not a fucking atmosphere that anybody should have to be in when they're in when they're going to work somewhere in a professional manner. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I like I said, I don't know if it's true or not, but if it is, shame on you. And like so, the last thing I wanted to say about the match real quick was like the finish and like the crowd buried this. You get a double pin and like I mean, I get it. It's a tornado tag, like naturally that's like kind of possible. Uh so it's a draw. Uh, the crowd hates this because it means uh, it basically it's gonna be a three-way dance at I think one of the shows that you guys are going to with those two teams and the Briscoes and I mean if you're gonna do like a screwy finish like this why make this the main event why not just put the ROH title on last this is this was awful because like this is kind of one of those things that people go back to with like tag matches not having any rules so there was a double pin which if there were rules like a double pin couldn't happen and yeah, nobody like one person, right? Nobody wins when there's no rules in a tag match. The, ta- the, the the no rules in the tag match works as a vehicle to tell the story, to build a match, to build a hot tag, to do all that stuff. There's a reason why the fucking rules exist. And this was ass. This was shit. 
I fucking hate saying it because I fucking really like all these guys. It was the return of Mance Warner. I like Mance Warner. It was Nick Gage, my one of my favorite wrestlers right now. And this was just shit. So, man, fuck. I just want to know what's happening. But at least I, I guess they, they were doing their best and they're trying to set up this big match for uh, Joey Janela's spring break. And I'm at least looking forward to that. At least the Briscoes will be in that match and maybe they'll have a say with how their match goes. If if Gage shows up fucked up, I hope they fucking slap the shit out of him or something to fucking snap him out of it. I don't fucking know what the fuck is going on. So, yeah, a lot of uh, AEW to go over to. um, Right. But um, real quick, I I did see the Alex Shelley versus Jay White match from the Impact pay-per-view. Luckily, New Japan World posted it. Oh, badass. Because, <laughs> because Jay White, right? Yeah. Which I really appreciated. I think Sacrifice was the show. And I definitely didn't, definitely wasn't like looking to purchase that pay per view. Not, you know, and that's just because I really don't follow Impact. You know, for all I know, the right. whole card was good. But I watched this immediately after um, the. the Shingo? Yeah, the New Japan Cup the show from the seventh right so i was coming right off that main event ishii shingo and that this still felt like a really great match after what it it wasn't on that level but that this felt like you know still a really great match after seeing that i think is testament to how good this is and like this this could have main event in most cards out there it it certainly could have main event in like any of the shows we've talked about so far and if alex shelley was in New Japan and in the New Japan Cup, it could have even main evented a New Japan Cup show. Like it was that good. But I haven't seen Alex Shelley really in a long time. I loved him in Ring of Honor. They did Generation Next with him and um unvaccinated Aries and um you know uh Jack Evans and Roderick Strong. Um like that was that was such a cool that was such a cool period in Ring of Honor and I got to got to love him. They turned on him and stuff and he was doing a lot of single shit and just having great matches. He has a great match with him and Brian Danielson for the Ring of Honor title. I think from, I want to say that's early 2006. That's worth checking out. Maybe it was, yeah, I think that's about right. But uh, definitely worth checking out. But like, so the impact is building up how Jay White lived with Alex Shelley for a time during his excursion and uh, they trained together for a while and hit it off and were friends, but that's been years ago. And this is a this is a different Jay White, you know. Now he's Bullet Club Jay White now. But they did a pretty good job. It wasn't too heavy handed, but they, you know, in that I did notice that there's some similar some similarities in their style that I really hadn't picked up before and I hadn't thought about because I hadn't seen Alex Shelley wrestle in so long. But you know, I can I can see that. But it's not to say White feels like a Shelley clone at all, but. Man, both are great on the mic, and they're great in ring. And I'd love to see Alex Shelley back in New Japan for a stint, man. Or maybe even the Machine Guns making a tag team run there. Like, their tag division could use a booster shot. Or fuck, Ring of Honor, man. Yeah, yeah. We first saw him in Ring of Honor, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, But, you know, we'll see what... I I don't know about if the New Japan thing is just a pipe dream, because, you know, maybe their tag division could could come back up barring another like major covid variant or something it's hard to say but um white goes over like he should have really good like shelly hits him there's a he reverses 
um blade runner into a blade runner of his own that looks just as good as jay white jay white sells it fucking awesome but he kicks and then and then shelly turns it right into like a cross face which is beautiful and he's able to he was able to roll all that and hit him with the blade runner for the win jay white was but man i i really like this shit it was so good it's worth going out of your way to see especially if you have new japan world and then shelly goes for the handshake after the match they such a good match and something really slight but cool happened where you know jay white just kind of gives gets across this kind of mocking but exhausted laugh instead of attacking him which is kind of a small thing but it put puts over shelly like i don't want to try it on this fucking guy right now like he just gave me he just took me the limit it was terrific these guys are both great i i love seeing alex shelly again so maybe that's part of why this is such a valentine to this match i always liked him he's in great shape he looks good He's as good, if not better than ever. Like, fuck yeah, Alex Shelley. Motor City, Machine Guns Reformed, I think, in the next TV taping. And um, I think that uh, they're going to do a little small thing with Bullet Club, like a little feud. So something to look forward to an Impact for sure. And hopefully, yeah, if we saw Shelley back in Ring of Honor, like, incredible. I'd be down to watch some of those shows. I'd definitely be down to watch some of those shows. They have some good people there, man. I really like, like, uh... I like those guys. I mean, obvious, and they have uh, Chris Bay as good as a good guy that they actually just put in the Bullet Club as well. Yeah, that, it, yeah. Uh, there's a Motor City Machine Guns versus yeah. White and Bay coming up at some point. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, if it's so the looking forward to that. I like y'all. I loved Black Taurus when I first saw him there at, at Impact. Uh, I know he's a guy they're using like PWG and stuff like that too. Um, th- so they have they have really good wrestlers there, and I would I, I kind of want to see where they're going with all of that. I don't know. Does Don Callis still book over there? How? What are they doing? No or is clue. It, no I don't clue. think he works there okay. anymore. He doesn't. Okay, so it's probably, uh, it's probably, um, fuck, goddamn, what's his name? Scott Demore. Scott Demore. That's exactly. I bet he's booking there now. I guess. Well, maybe we'll check out a future show and talk about it. Yeah, I would like to check that out. So let's move on to uh, AEW. Yep. So yeah. what are the highlights here? Yeah. Yeah, so Dynamite, uh, March 9th, uh, we start out with a Jericho promo. He says that the match at Eddie awakened something he didn't know was there. I guess he's coming out after all these years, after all. Um, the crowd sh- uh, chants shake his hand, uh, and then he eventually you know, calls Eddie out to have him shake his hand. They do shake hands, and it seems that all is well in the world. But it's not, because... Uh, um, Santana and Ortiz come out, and Jericho attacks them with 2.0. He beats uh, Santana Ortiz and Eddie with a bat. Hager comes out, kind of like teases, like, oh, what do I do? And then he sides with them, and now we have this new faction, uh, the Jericho Mark Society. It's actually Appreciation I, Society. But, yeah. Jericho I Mark hope they're not going to call it that going forward. Like. It's, I hope it's, that was just yeah, him just making a quick little gag. I don't like it as like a like a faction name. Like I'm not gonna like say, oh, it's one of the greatest factions of all time or something like that. I don't ever see anybody saying that. It feels like a very short term short term faction, which is why I think they're doing a cheesy name like that. It's I think this whole thing is supposed to be just really over the top for Jericho. So I that's how I see it, but who knows? I that's mean, Jericho's really... kind of bad at like beating cringe over the head though. That's also true, but he's also good at like reinventing himself too. He doesn't usually. This is not a very Chris Jericho thing, so so yeah, we'll see. Like we'll see, and I, I don't know who they're going to be bringing in. They obviously have more slots available. We haven't seen um, 
Sammy Guevara's reaction to his turn. And I think that'll be an interesting part of the story. And who knows? I, I think like, you know, they kind of mentioned Hernandez and Homicide. It'd be interesting to bring them in as the as the tag team because it would counteract uh, Santana and Ortiz. I think that would be really cool to reignite from the impact stuff. But you want do you want Hernandez and Homicide on Jericho's faction or yeah he's saying that would counteract santana and ortiz and but you already have 2.0 to do that yeah you do have have 2.0 to do that but like the history is with with uh, with homicide hernandez and um but you're right and maybe maybe they just didn't want to do that who knows i mean but there's a lot to be fair you are right like every group does need someone to you know stare up at the lights every night and homicide seems to like to do that these days so (laughs) damn that's fucking mean um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope, I hope it goes somewhere good. I mean, I, I'm not ready to write it off yet, so we'll see. I really do think that that weird name is by design. Like it's supposed to be fucking weird and cringe or something. I just, I really, really do believe that. Guess I don't we'll think anybody out. would, I don't think anybody would have okayed that if it wasn't. <laughs> it should have just been Mark <laughs> Society. I think that would have been better. Yeah, Jericho Mizark Society. Yeah. Uh, the next up, we had a uh, surprise title match between Dante Martin and Hangman Page. Uh, this was a, a pretty cool. Uh, this was the shortest uh, t- title match I think they've ever had in the promotion. I think it was like seven minutes, but for what it was, it was pretty solid. Um, Hangman worked a really grounded style compared to Dante. Um, he did this cool lariat to like knock into the outside. Um. Eventually, uh, Hangman knocks him out with the buckshot. Like the cell was like incredible from Dante, and he wins. Uh, then Tony interviews him, uh, and then he calls Dante back down to the ring and kind of like puts him over. Says that he looks forward to you know him challenging him, again. He gives him the rub. Yeah, is what they call it in the business. Uh, then Adam Cole interrupts, says he's not done. He called it a fluke, and that he'll continue to bother Hangman until uh, he's champion. So the feud must go on. I don't like that. That's going to keep going. It's I don't like the fucking rematches with 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 title matches. I like it whenever what they were doing before, where they have like the one and done, and you got to build your way back up to get your opportunity. I get that they're doing this because it's like a big name and stuff, but ugh, I don't like that. I don't really even like Adam Cole. But I think um, the story is to kind of build it back up though, because it's like he's got that six man tag match yeah. next week for it. So we'll see. Like maybe those plans will get interrupted. Who knows? I also don't understand why this needed to be a world title match. Um, like, I don't get it. They could have just done an exhibition and uh, given Dante an opportunity to to wrestle the guy and he'd still get the rub. It's just really weird just giving this guy a fucking title match. It is, it is weird, Nate. And, yeah. and I've complained before about their rankings. And so when they updated it after the pay-per-view, Cole dropped from one to three, which is fine. I'm okay with that. You lose you lose to the champion like you don't need to like drop out of the top five necessarily uh dante martin is number is the number two contender which is strange because like he hasn't beaten like too many high profile like quality opponents like in singles matches but well that's the problem with the rankings is it's all quantity and not quality yeah, exactly. Yeah. They don't really and, and quality opponents should count. Even good losses should I think be should count, but you know, like MJF beat CM Punk, but he also lost to CM Punk, but CM Punk wasn't in the top 5 even when he was undefeated, so fucking like you you go figure. 
Wardlow is the number one contender, I guess, because he grabbed the ring or whatever in the yeah. face yeah. of the revolution. But to give a title shot to the number two contender on a TV match and to announce it on Twitter just the day of, I guess, whatever. It was cool to see him, you know, didn't make any sense. I don't understand. I, I And I almost wish they would just drop that or they would do it right and pay attention to it. And I know Joey and I kind of disagree on that, but I think there's a lot that they could do with it and build drama and guys getting snubbed out of the top five and even do a YouTube show or something. I mean, I just, I don't like, um, like BTE. Uh, I don't think those guys are funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, Yeah. I, I think, I think it's a pretty unwatchable show, but I know it's popular. So fuck me. But I, th- <laughs> I think they could do something with like a rankings reveal show every week, even if it's just like a 15 minutes kind of thing and, and make it make fucking sense and work it like it's pro wrestling. So you can work those rankings, but it takes some planning. And I think that would help the booking long term as it is now. It just annoys the shit out of me that they've got it. And they're <laughs> I just... don't like I don't like the idea of working the rankings. I do like the idea of them like sticking. Well, to they're the already rankings. worked. Yeah, well, I, I guess you're right. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. But at the same time, like, holy shit. Like, I, I also don't I don't think that like if they're going to do the rankings like that, like you have to like, see, you have to protect a guy like CM Punk, right? You have to give him his wins. Like he can't just lose all his matches. And I know that yeah. would normally put him on the rankings in the singles division, but you also have this important stuff. Like some of this stuff is like way more important than just being on the rankings. Like yeah. his, his, you, we can't, yeah. we can't have his feud with MJF if he's going to be a slave to his fucking rankings. But you can but sell like, that in kayfabe, right? Like this means more to him than like being number one. And I think that they yeah that, straight I think up that, and that would they, and that would add something to it you know what I mean and you work the rankings by having guys win you know to put to rank them accordingly and it, mm-hmm. make it like a bigger picture. Um, I just it, it it's it's killing me it's killing me and, and like <laughs> you said yeah the the punk thing you know it's like hey I'm number one but that's gonna have to wait you know and I realize that if I lose this match I could drop. But fuck you, dude. Like, I'm coming for you at the pay-per-view, brother, you know? Right. You know? I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I think there's opportunity there. I said so that I think they either need to drop it or do it right. But stop insulting our intelligence because that's why I stopped watching WWE. Because I just, I, I took one too many hits to the, you know, to, to the pituitary, <laughs> man. I just can't do it. It doesn't, this doesn't, to me, this doesn't really insult my intelligence because I know, like, I just think that there's bigger fucking fish to fry when it comes to yeah. that. And then maybe you're right. Maybe they should just do away with it or something. But to me, it's just really inconsequential because they're not real rankings anyways. So, yeah. But I mean, if you're going to come up with your number one contender out of there, I don't, I don't know. If Since they're not real and it's inconsequential, just fucking drop it. I, I thought they were doing a really good job with it at the beginning because then they would have like matches with like on TV. They would but they would build them. Like oh yeah, Jungle Boy's getting his shot at the R at the not the ROH the uh, AEW World Championship. So we're gonna do that this this week, and then for this this guy, he's in line for another for a title shot. So we're gonna do it this week and stuff like that. They were doing that, and I don't know why they're not doing that now. And I guess they tried well, they to do that are, with Dante. Well, they, yeah, they yeah, but like there was no fanfare on it. It was it felt felt like a late edition, like 
And he's they, the number two contender. I don't know how, but yeah. he's the number two, not the number one. If it's just, so if it's, why is if, he jumping Wardlow and getting a shot before well, him? Well, isn't Wardlow getting a TNT title shot? Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's so, that's so, the other problem with the rankings is that it's yeah. unified between those. Same for the women. Yeah. Like it's both the women's title so and he the gets, uh, TBS. Yeah, I guess it makes sense if if Wardlow's number one, but his but he's obviously you know has a TNT title match date then. Um, I guess it makes sense to give it to the number two guy. And since it's Dante fucking Martin, you can have it on TV. And I like Dante <laughs> yeah. Martin. Don't get me wrong. He's fun to yeah. watch. But... So and I, I kind of, it's, I, I, one thing I'll say, I kind of liked this here because like when Kenny or like a heel was the champion, you'd get like these eliminator matches and they kind of make more sense, right? Like if you beat the champion, yeah. you get a shot. But I kind of like that, like as a face, like, you know, I, it's like sort of that fighting champion type feels so, like he's just going to like, yeah, I'm just gonna yeah. give you a match for the title. Not, you I like know, that. Yeah, not you know, yeah, give I, you this yeah. extra barrier. But I like that too. I like the I like title defenses. So yeah. I'm with you. Agreed. I agree with that. I, I like the idea of the eliminator matches too, and they do those eliminator tournaments sometimes, where they like mix up the people that are in the rankings and stuff, and I think that's good too. Uh, but you're, I don't know. I, I, they're, they're, you're right. I think we can all agree, at least if we disagree on the, how they go about it, is that there needs to be some kind of cleanup in the way they do it. So I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we had Brian Danielson and Moxley accompanied with their new uh, manager, I guess, William Regal against the Workhorsemen. And uh, these guys got fucking killed. Um, <laughs> I know Joey's not thrilled because JD Drake's on the team and he's a fan, uh, but this guy. Just got his ass kicked by these two. Um, this was basically like a glorified squash. Like they got a little bit in on these guys, but you know their whole gimmick is that they are going to inflict violence on the division, and they did that. Um, you had them in different holds at times. Uh, there was one uh, neat uh, moment where like Danielson had the hold. He tagged in uh, Mox, and then Mox started like biting the guy's head. Uh, and then eventually uh, he hits the Busaiku knee on JD Drake and just stomps him in. The guy looked, you know, so super sad, and then put in the label lock, and he wins. Uh, Tony then interviewed Regal, kind of puts over that, you know, they, he interviewed him way back in the day. Regal said that he was actually the guy who got him adjusted to life in the states. So that was cool. He also kind of flirted with Tony a bit, said that he's left a, a few broken hearts uh, in his wake over the years, and tells him that he looks nice in the suit or whatever, but. <laughs> That was kind of a weird moment, but uh, yeah, it was kind of it was a good promo. Uh, apparently, he went a little long, from what I understand. Um, he just basically kind of told everyone why he's there, put over Danielson, put over Mox, uh, referenced their history and stuff like that. And yeah, this this group doesn't have a name yet, but I really look forward to seeing how this builds. Um, I don't really like the the two big singles guys getting thrown together as a tag team. Because when you do that, I think that you you fucking bury the rest of the the tag team roster, because you know they're going to moan over everybody, and the, the AEW has a pretty strong tag team roster. I fucking don't like this. I love William Regal. I think he could fucking easily manage anyone else. And I get, I know they have a fucking like history, but they could have like had Regal manage Danielson alone. Um. I, I, they could have continued to feud with Brian Danielson and, and Moxley. I don't like the fucking putting the two big singles guys together as tag teams. Don't like it. Love the wrestlers that are involved. Love love William Regal. That promo was fantastic. Yeah. Don't like the. I do not like this. I think the promo. I think that promo was my favorite part of this show. 
I, it was really I good. felt really honest and, uh, you know, while still being, you know, part of the storyline, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Joey. It's weird that they're putting them together. They're getting good feedback on it. It seems mm-hmm. who knows, who knows where, where, where they will go with it. And, and maybe, maybe they're just, uh, maybe it's just a short term thing and we're going to have a, a Danielson Mox rematch. Who knows? That wouldn't be too satisfying, but a lot of stuff in Ring of Honor isn't too satisfying. And a Ring of Honor and AEW <laughs> <laughs> isn't. Yeah, well, Ring of Honor in the last several years, but a lot of stuff doesn't really build to a satisfying conclusion. I'll go back to Dante Martin, who, you know, I don't, I don't mean to kind of bury him by wondering why he's in that spot because back late last year, um, in the fall, they're building him and. You know, you could have seen him getting this eventual title shot on on TV, but they kind of killed the angle they were running with him and Team Taz and Leo Rush, who apparently mm-hmm. exited, and that was all kind of a weird, you know, fizzle out, and it kind of killed his momentum. Agreed. And uh, that's why it was just kind of weird for him to get that shot. But um, but man, if it last fall, I would have if you just said, yeah, he's going to get a title shot in March, I'd have been like, that makes sense, and fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, I don't know who knows what they have in store for this. If anything, well, what I'm curious too, like, I mean, it's, it's not clear to me. Cause like, I know when they were talked about it, they were like, you know, we'll go for singles titles. At least when like, uh, Danis was cutting the promos before, like, uh, you know, he, he said that he wanted to, you know, beat the vlogger, you know, Sammy Guevara and he wanted, you know, Mox to beat uh, hangman since, you know, he failed. Uh, in his own attempt. So we'll see what they end up doing exactly. And like, at least they started with like a team that like, like I know the workhorsemen, they actually have like a name, but like I've never seen these two together. Like I can't even remember the other guy's name. Uh, but like JD Drake, I know has like always been with like the uh, the wingmen, you know, the Ryan Nemeth and uh, um, Peter Avalon and uh, Cesar Bononi. Like he's been with those guys for a while, and I, I think he still is. So like this just felt like kind of a weird team anyway. So I don't feel like they're going to like go in and like at least it wasn't like you know they squashed like private party or something like that, like an actually established team. So you know it'd be you know it'd be cool they, if if they end up if they do end up being you know interject into the tag team division and they get a you know big time marquee matchup with an FTR or mm-hmm. you know a, a Young Bucks or you know Lucha Brothers down the line or whatever. If if the story is, yeah, you guys are great singles wrestlers, but you don't have you don't have chemistry, you don't have the timing that these tag these regular tag team. That, that was the story they told with uh, Mox and Eddie versus the Bucks. Well, yeah, the, yeah, they, and then you get beat. Yeah, and if the, if, like you said, that is a good point because they kind of did tell that. And so, why do it again? A little light on the workhorseman thing. Um, I know it is kind of random, and they didn't explain it to AEW fans, but they do have an existing partnership. Okay, like they're, they're they they uh, they teamed in involved, and they teamed other places on the Indies. Anthony Henry is a uh, recent. Um, a recent firing from WWE. He's one of those people that got fired uh, from NXT. And uh, so now he's in AEW, obviously. And, you know, he's teaming again with, with JD Drake. So I don't know, like you're right though. They, they just kind of threw him in there. Like, is he in the, is he in the, um, in the faction? Is he in the wingman? Like what's going on here? I don't understand why they're using JD Drake as a job guy. The guy is so good. And they could tell a fucking great underdog babyface story where, you know, just like they did in Evolve, they could literally copy paste the fucking storyline from Evolve, just like CM Punk did copy paste uh, storylines from Ring of Honor and WWE and stuff like that. And they could literally do that, and it would be great mm-hmm. to watch. But I don't know if they're like not. I don't. There's something that I don't like, and it's they're kind of getting away from 
uh, showcasing a lot of these great indie guys because they have these big uh, mm-hmm. like wrestling stars in the company now. And uh, I know that they are doing a good job of building some of their homegrown talent. But at the same time, I do want to see these fresh faces. I do want to see a guy that has the talent that J.D. Drake has. I want to see them. And, may, and maybe that's not the most like palatable thing at first, but fucking God damn it. Don't, I hope they don't get into this situation where they don't shake showcase these guys, right? Just like WWE does. I don't want to see It's complicated. That. It's you extremely need, you, complicated. You need guys for your big stars to beat. It makes sense for it to be, you know, the kind of unknown quantities and, yeah. and that's kind of, you know, maybe that's just the way it is. And, and the, some certain guys are going to, Use those opportunities to to rise There's up. There's just so many and, guys and too. Like yeah. you can't showcase everyone. That's yeah, tr- that's true. Yeah. That's true. But I mean, I know a guy. I know a guy like JD Drake has talent over like some, like like you couldn't put uh, what's it, one of those guys from the factory? What's his name? Aaron Solo in that spot to get fucking crushed instead of JD. Or just Drake. put the factory like, in like the street. Yeah. Up. Like oh my god, dude. Like there's there's. Oh my god, dude! If you've Our seen Mike Jackson, I know, I know, I'm, yeah, I know. I'm like, it's funny because he was on Impact not that long ago. So like, I know, like, it's it's hard to explain because maybe like you guys don't share the what, like what I've seen in JD Drake. I've seen him have those great matches and evolve, and like, uh, so I kind of know what he's capable of. But in uh, so I probably sound like a crazy person saying some of this stuff. But man, they have like a really great baby face on their hands. He's like a better version of Otis, and um, yeah. And like they could fucking have something here, and it's just so fucking weird. It's so weird. I'm, I'm starting to get like really uncomfortable. I don't like like we'll talk about this in a second, but I don't like Jeff Hardy. I know that's another fucking sacrilegious thing to fucking say, but I don't think I, I know he's a huge star. But yeah, man, my I'm wrestling would, my wrestling enjoyment would be so much better without him. I <laughs> like I don't give a shit about him. He's a fucking drunk driver. He puts people's fucking he puts people's safety on the line. Every time he fucking does it, and he comp- he constantly does it. How much even damage- if we yeah, and even if we let's just isolate like let's forget that for a sec. If not that we should or whatever, but just if you just look at in ring stuff, I'm not that excited about him. And and dude, I know like at the end of the day, AEW is a business, and he does numbers, and it's proven and all that. I don't fucking understand yeah. it, but I also don't understand why fucking puddle of mud was on the fucking radio and tv either straight up <laughs> you know what i mean straight up um, it's it's the same kind of you know it's the, it's the same phenomenon and you know he's there and the hardy mm-hmm. hardy boys are thing and they're going to be working in aw and i know we haven't even talked about that segment but may as well we could just talk about well aw is like it's supposed to be the smart fans right and i guess like a lot of these new there a lot of the smart fans now are just a lot younger but man, we remember the fucking time Jeff Hardy got booed out the building in Ring of Honor by the yeah. smart fans. They didn't want to have anything to do with this guy. This and, is a nostalgia thing for yeah. people roughly our age. And th- th- he got a huge pop when his music mm-hmm. hit. He sure did. And I think somebody somebody talked about that music as library music that yeah. WWE just paid a license for. So yeah. anybody can, we could fucking make it the theme to our show. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we could wear fishnet. But yeah, dude, but uh, hey, it's a tough decision to make. Like I personally would like to say I wouldn't do it, but he got, he got, um, 
like he got a huge fucking pop when that shit hit, dude. Yeah, and he, he really and he did. came out. His his brother's getting his ass kicked, and he he still has time to do his little fucking like nineties ravers like fist pump fucking <laughs> little hit <sighs> thrust. Oh, move. Yeah, I guess we could just might as well like talk about the whole. Segment Let's talk now. about the segment right now. It's, so it's the AHFO executive meeting. They kick Hardy, uh, Matt Hardy out. Uh, he already said that like he took the suit off because he doesn't want to be a dick and. Let's not, the, dick, let's not do the Let's not do the play by play for this one. Let's get it all out there. Well, like I'll, I'll just it say was, like Darby and Sting came out to like save him after getting beaten down. Then Jeff comes and like as Davey pointed out, he's just like vibing to his music as like his brother is getting like assaulted with a chair. <laughs> well, it's, fuck it. It's so weird because the fucking baby faces are getting beaten down, like beaten down by like yeah. a bunch of people. So when Darby and Sting come out, they fucking walk to the ring. They're, they're like, take a stroll yeah, to the yeah. ring while Matt Hardy's getting the shit kicked out of him. And then fucking Jeff Hardy comes out and he does his little fucking, like, gyration, his little mosh <laughs> on the fucking top of the ramp. He's like, okay, I got to get one in real quick. And he even does it real quick. Like, he does it like, yeah. I got to get this yeah. in real quick. And then fucking then starts running. And like, oh, my God, dude, like, this is such a weird way to bring in Jeff Hardy if they're going to do it. Like, I'll put my fucking feelings aside for him because he's obviously a big star. But what the fuck? Like, you could have built something right here. You could have teased. This is the kind of thing you knew he was coming, right? You could have teased this happening. Like, it was such a weird fucking angle I mean, to bring in Jeff Hardy. It, but, like, Jeff Hardy would have been a, was going to get a pop no matter what. But, like, you, like, he, like no, no matter what, what could have happened, he could have been, I don't know, it could have been anything. But, like, there's just no build at all. Like, and I, I understand that, like, it's supposed to be a surprise. But man, they could have done something here with this. And uh it was so weird. It was so fucking weird. I didn't I don't know, man. I mean, this I think the direction's pretty obvious. Like you're gonna get, you know, feuds with private party. It looks like they were setting up like some type of like respect type feud of Darby and Sting. Um boy, we're gonna get Jeff Hardy and Sting again. Well, I wanted to Oh my god. I wanna see what I wanted to see and what I thought that they were going, because like private party's been there been matt hardy's bitch for like uh for what a year longer than a year much longer than a year and like it's time for them to get the fucking rub already so have jeff hardy and matt hardy work with private party to elevate private party finally tell them to fucking lose the fucking like over the top gear have some more fucking serious looking gear have them have a serious more serious program against the hardys and then they like hold on a second are you telling me that the Hardys are going to tell them to get okay. less over the top gear? I'm not saying that they should. I'm saying that somebody at AEW should. But oh my god, dude. And then seeing them in their... And when they showed up on Rampage, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, and they were fucking wearing the fucking 90s waiver clothes still. <laughs> ah, why do people like these guys? Nostalgia, I don't get man. it. It's uh, 100% suck. nostalgia, man. They're fucking wearing the Jinkos, and like, I just wanted to throw the fuck up. This I hate them. I don't want I mean, to see I've, them on my fucking TV anymore. No, no. I mean, I've always I been like a it. Matt Hardy fan. Like, acknowledge he's kind of like worn down and you know, sort of yeah. outlived his uh, prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, like this is seems to be like you know, like their like final little outing as a tag team, and you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, we at least get some decent matches out of it. Hopefully, you know, they're they're not totally far gone. But yeah, apparently it they're yeah. Apparently they're going to be working in the indie scene too. Yeah, you know, just making yeah, money. Yeah, I think they already they were already on they they've already did a indie show already. So uh, I think um, 
I don't know. Whatever, man. I know I'm in the minority when I say I don't really care or like Jeff Hardy. I think he's done a lot of damage to the business, and I guess he's done some good as well. But, like, I I just can't get over, like, all the money that he's made. And he made a mockery of the business with that whole Sting situation back in Impact when he... When he, when he was like fucked up on drugs and then Sting had to fucking force pin him and shoot on him and stuff like that. Like he's done so much damage. That's and still, he, that's partly on them too for like even like it, 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 it to happen. You're right, but he still fucking did it. And like how many chances do you fucking need, dude, while you're getting millions and fucking millions of dollars and then you're fucking still driving drunk. You could fucking kill some innocent fucking people doing that. And it's not like he fucking got caught once, but he's not oh, like yeah. it's not it's not like he got caught twice. I would like to look at the number because I can't even remember, but I just know that it's countless fucking times. And like how many chances do you need to get? And like if he keeps doing that shit one day, one day. Like it could be fucking fatal for somebody innocent, man. I the don't wellness, like that, dude. Yeah, the wellness, quote unquote, wellness policy violations, the DUIs, the the just crimes against the business in the ring. Like you mentioned, the Sting match. <laughs> Do we know of anybody else who has had more second, third, fourth, and fifth and sixth fucking chances than this guy? No, and I guess he keeps getting them because he's a draw. But man, it seems like other guys who were draws haven't gotten this many chances with yeah. with those kinds of I, I don't understand i don't understand what the um i don't understand how the, how he's like the golden boy and he's like got this force field up against consequences for all this fucked up shit he's done and, and listen i don't, I don't and, and i'm not i'm not never been his fan but even regardless i i recognize that he's you know he's a draw for he's a money draw but i just still don't understand and listen listen I like if you're the kind of person that hates the anti-vax people like Anaya Jax or something or the people that don't want to fucking wear masks or all these fucking anti-covid people because like you sh- you should care about your fellow man then you should hate Jeff Hardy too because he yeah, puts I mean, his yeah. he he puts his fellow yeah. man in fucking danger all the time by the fucking actions that he does. So fuck Jeff Hardy, sorry. All right, so uh before that like Jeff Hardy segment there was a few other things. Uh there was a Yuta pack match that was okay. Uh, there was a cool like top rope brainbuster and then pack or pack one with the brutalizer. Uh, a few other backstage segments. Probably the highlight uh, was there was an FTR interview where uh, Tully got kind of pissed with them because they're focusing on revenge instead of the titles, and Dax just choked him out. Um, and I can't remember if he actually fired him or said that he might fire him, but that was interesting in development, I guess. That's a weird situation, yeah. Uh, then we had Tony interview Wardlow, and uh, you know Wardlow, super over babyface, talks about how you know he uh, he's still under contract with MJF, but he's not going to obey the terms for that. Uh, he should probably get a lawyer if he intends to do that. Um, and uh, just told Max to release his contract, and he'll leave him alone. Uh, this guy is one hundred percent getting screwed next week um, with that attitude uh, by the Pinnacle. He also says that AEW is Wardlow's world. Uh, shades of Elmo. <laughs> yeah, which is in my which is in my life because of my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah. Whatever. I mean, I don't know what they're fucking gonna do with Wardlow. I guess. I guess you're right that he's gonna get screwed and this uh, feud's gonna keep going. I guess the idea is MJF's not gonna take this laying down. And yeah, we'll see where they go with that. It's just the beginning here. What do you guys think about Wardlow as a as a worker or maybe as like a, you know, big star main event guy? I thought he was like he's better than like a Batista. His promo was good. Um he's kind of getting over. His work is fine. Like 
He doesn't look he doesn't look like dumpy and we, like unathletic. So and we haven't really seen him in like a big time match, but so far he's been fine. And I don't yeah, think what I works. Think, yeah. What works too is like he's you know in that sort of Batista like category, but it's not overly pushed. But like, yeah, Batista he's not was. overly pushed, and he's not anywhere near as bad in his like so. Better than Batista. It's, it's uh, yeah. Paint praise. <laughs> so that, we, I mean, we we have to like we have to like compare it because that's kind of like the the spot that he kind of fills. Yeah, and he, he's Straight better up. than a he's better than a Batista, and you know better than Ryback. Better than Ryback. Yeah. Um, God, I don't want to see it. him. I don't want to see God. I, he he is getting over the fans, and and as a, somebody who is into the product, I really don't want to see him as a main eventer going forward because well, I, oof, that, I, I say, think I'd be reaching for my remote. I say, I say, wait till we see him like work like a big long match. Like, yeah. like, 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 like with this feud yeah. with uh, MJF. Cause he could really surprise everybody. Yeah, and uh, he, right. he could, he could end up being one of our favorite guys. I don't want to like discount this guy. And I don't think that, especially at the beginning when they're, they're signing these decent indie guys, I don't think they would assign him just because he was a big muscle guy. I think they probably saw something in him, and I, I kind of trust that. I kind of trust that. So, give it. A, I'm going to give him a chance. I'm definitely giving the benefit of the doubt. And so far, he hasn't disappointed me. He doesn't look stupid when he does anything. Like you know, he doesn't do like a power bomb where he sits down and then falls backwards because he can hardly move like a Batista. <laughs> so, like, he's fine. I think he's fine. He doesn't do weird bumps. Like, totally fine. Yeah. Uh, we then had Keith Lee and QT Marshall backstage. QT says that uh, since they're both enemies of Team Taz, they should team up and he'll watch Keith Lee's back. Uh, Keith dismisses him and says he has a big back, which you'd think would mean he would need more people to watch it, but apparently not. Hmm. Okay. Weird. Yeah, really weird. QT's cool, but yeah, just weird. Weird, 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 weird. <laughs> uh, we then had Jurassic Express versus the Acclaimed. Uh, Acclaimed's rap was uh, pretty tame this time, but the, he did say that Jungle Boy has never seen boobs. Um, <laughs> Anna Jade on Twitter apparently said that uh, that's false. <laughs> so, good to know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this was like kind of just like a, a traditional like AEW tag match. It was fun uh, while it lasted. Uh, not a whole lot to say. Um, the uh, crowd really loves you know Jungle Boy's music, and yeah, that was that. Um, it yeah. is the greatest uh, music going, and like it's Baltimore Tarzan you know, Boy. It's one of my know. favorite fucking songs. You know we fight on that because fucking <laughs> evil. Dude, has... when that song comes on, I like when I I, I want to take like a necktie and wrap it around my head and start like jumping around the office. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, shit. It's so good. It's so perfect. Oh I was so God. stoked when he started using it. <laughs> I th- I don't dislike the song. I love it, but I definitely think Evil has the best music in wrestling. Uh, okay, it's also pretty good. But um, is that 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 was the main event? That was we're no no no. Good. Oh, okay, let's move on. Uh, we had legit Layla versus Funderosa. Uh pretty decent. Layla, I guess, is like really kind of pu- trying to put over this whole like going for the turnbuckle uh under the ring as like a cheating thing, but this time Red Velvet stopped her. Um Funder wins with a uh Funder Sunset Flip, uh or Funder Driver, uh after doing a sunset flip. Uh she wins. Uh she is now getting the uh title rematch against uh Britt. 
Uh, Brick cuts a promo, calls her uh, Carney Riffraff. Okay. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and uh, we're going to get them in a steel cage this week. Uh, should hopefully be pretty good. It'll be in Thunder Rosa's hometown, so I think it'll be an exciting match. I think it's time. I think it's time they're going to put the title on Thunder Rosa, and uh, that's cool. I think it's weird that they gave her an immediate opportunity right after she lost. It's another one of those situations that are really weird, but I get what they're like. Isn't I get what they're doing? They're going to do the match in the hometown and everything. As I said, um, even in kayfabe, she got screwed. So she did get screwed. That's true. So uh, looking forward to it. She was very happy about the announcement that it was going to be in a cage. Yeah, perfect for, you know, that's how you pay this off, right? You get yeah. interference, and then yeah. you get the cage match. You get the, yeah, you keep the goons out. And they had that bloody brawl and that um, non-sanctioned match, and I think this is going to be yeah, a pretty the lights nasty out. one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's like it's the anniversary. They did it at the last yep. at last there year's uh, St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day show. show. One to watch, one to circle, mm-hmm. man. Hell yeah. All right, and then uh, the actual main event, Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky for the TNT title. Now, all of these uh, TNT title change matches have had like a pretty clear story behind them. Uh, when Sammy first won it off Miro, it was you know taking advantage of the sand of neck, as Miro called it. And uh, you know, I was able to finally exploit that weakness and win the belt. Him beating Cody was you know triumphing over the veteran who always had his number. And the story of this match is that uh, Sammy Guevara is a fucking idiot. Um, he goes for <laughs> pretty early, uh, like he gets out of table and then goes for a 450 splash. Uh, Scorpio just like rolls off the table and Sammy goes crashing through it. Uh, really cool visual, but uh, uh, he was selling, and I kind of use that term uh, generously, the entire commercial break. Picture in picture, you just see him like rolling around like an animatronic almost. Uh, doctors are tending to him, Ty Conti, his actual girlfriend's down there tending to him. And then eventually, uh, he, you know, as a baby face, he, you know, kind of fires up and goes back to the ring. Um, Scorpio still kind of takes advantage of him, but then eventually Sammy hits his finisher, the GTH, which, from what I recall, is pretty well protected and people don't really kick out of it. So instead of just trying to actually pin him, even though he's hurt, he goes for another 450. Scorpio puts his knees up, uh, hits him with a TKO, and wins. And he is your new champion. F- fucking awesome to see Scorpio Sky finally get his due. Great. Hopefully he's not going to be a transitional TNT champion. I mean, I guess we're expecting uh, Wardlow to get screwed and not be TNT champion. So, and I kind of hope that's true. Like, big thumbs up on Scorpio Sky being TNT champion. That's the championship where they have, like, all the open challenges and they fucking debut new people. He's the perfect guy to be carrying that right now. So, big thumbs up. This was awesome. You also had uh, Paige Van Zandt uh, sign her contract during this. Uh, she did it on Ty Conti's ass. She should definitely lawyer up, too. Uh, she's been violated by a lot of people lately. Jade kissed her. And now this, like, I mean, seems like a pretty hostile work environment. I guess they're going to start doing some storyline bet- with, uh, you know, run with Sammy yeah. and uh, Tay Conti as a pair. And, I, you know, cool. That's something that you can sink your teeth. This is something that Sammy needs. He needs something where he can like grow as like a performer and have something that he can sink mm-hmm. and sink into. So good stuff. The injury that they were selling, like the spot that you know it that you know uh, preceded that that you know caused the you know injury was insane. And props yeah. for that. Like that was, if you're going to if you're going to sell like an injury, like it should be 
it should look dangerous as fuck and that's exactly what that table spot looked like mm-hmm. like he exploded through that table with some with some serious fury it was really cool it was brutal i felt a little worked at first because a little i i thought he you know i'm i'm just, I can't believe I got suckered by it. when when Ty <laughs> ran out and was doing the concerned girlfriend thing. I knew I knew he was fine, but um, but man, like you could get hurt doing that. That was insane. Like what a spot! Holy shit! And yeah, yeah. I was very happy to see Scorpio's guy get that title. And uh, you know, I hope he's not transitional. I hope he gets a good run. He's solid mm-hmm. and capable of good matches. And and this was good. I like Sammy a little bit more than you guys. Do uh, I think he's really improved over the last you know year? I look forward to his matches. I think that's I you know I think they've all been really good, with a, a few exceptions. And yeah, he's not perfect, and the selling needs a little work. But I think that's why he's been in key spots. Is not only is he one of the guys that they're touting as like one of the pillars, but those matches have kind of been must must watch. Like, do that match with Dustin Rhodes was so good. That yeah, might it be my, that might be like in my top five AEW matches this year when it's all said and done. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I really, I really liked that. And, uh, I mean the Cody match that, you know, followed that the latter match was, you know, a lot, a lot of people's, uh, a lot of people's favorite too. So, I mean, he's getting, he's getting big spots on the card and I think for the most part he's delivering and I think he's getting better. Um, how old is he? 28? He's young. I'm not sure how old he is. I think he's in his late twenties. So, I mean, he's got, he trained with Booker T and he's 28. Yeah, so still, you know, a lot of guys in, in, in wrestling do He definitely has potential, you know, hit, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Prime for you're right. a couple more years, so. He's like, yeah, he's like he's him. definitely, he's easily improving, like, all the time. I'm glad, yeah. like I said, I'm glad, I'm glad to see he's got something that he's going to be able to work with, like, re, like working with a valet. Today, it's kind of lost, like, how much a valet can be valuable to your career. Mm-hmm. Just the way you're presented and, like, the things that you can do and stuff like that. I think that's really good. Obviously, he needs to fucking address, like, whatever he's going to be, his involvement's going to be in with the Chris Jericho thing. And, because uh, he said that he's like, oh, y'all work it out. I'm leaving or whatever. And he's I wonder got if it. they even will. Yeah, they. I hope they do because I feel like there's a whole. He gets there. to show some note cards. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, I hate that shit. Hey, that, hey that's that shit's weird. That's weird. That's fucking weird. I can't believe they're doing that. <laughs> I mean, I feel so. like they have to just because like he's not champ anymore, so he needs something to do, right? They want to use him. Yeah, I think like, he's I get maybe keeping him a week or week or two off to like you know sort of sell like that he got his ass kicked. He's gonna by himself, but he's gonna excel with a with a with the valet, especially if they do it right. And, uh, and, yeah. and and take Conti the way the valet has like like evolved over the years. It's definitely a more empowering spot for 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 women than it used to be. And I think this is going to be really good for them. I mean, think about like how good it was for like Shane Douglas or uh, Lance Storm when he had Don Marie and stuff like that. Like um, they were very sexualized, and it's I was like God, be more, like that's a horrible well, example well, for it's, empowerment. It's not, <laughs> It's it's not a hor- no. I'm saying that's why I'm saying it's more empowered nowadays than it was then. Yeah. Like it's it's I'm saying like but but what they did do back then like it, it, it made for really good booking like it presented those wrestlers really good and it had like they had some good stories and things like that and they were definitely over sexualized back then and, and now it's going to be a more progressive version and i think it's a good thing assuming they actually stick with this and i hope they do it's time it's time for a good a really good valet wrestler team like it really is and and, and the last time i saw a good one was lana and rusev but Lana wasn't really a wrestler. She wasn't really a good wrestler. And Tay Conti's not bad. So 
Well, she didn't really yeah. start wrestling until they like kind of broke that up. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah, I mean that too. But it was great. Like Lana with Rusev was awesome. All right. Next up, we had Rampage from March 11th. Uh, we open up with Darby Allen versus Mark Quinn. Uh, they start out with a lot of mat work early on, which is kind of surprising. Um, but the match really picks up when Darby gets thrown to the outside and. Uh, Mark Quinn successfully hits a 450 splash, uh, kind of a nice contrast with the Dynamite main event, uh, to him on the outside. Uh, eventually he goes for another one again inside the ring, but Darby reverses it into an armbar uh, to get the win. The AFO, as it's now called, the Andrade family office, uh, comes out to beat him up. Then the Hardys make the save, kind of, but it's still like, you know, the awkward, they walk out and just vibe to their music. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I have, I think Mark Quinn is really, really, really good. Or he's, he's got like a lot of potential. He looks like he could be a big star. I don't know if they're ever going to see him that way, but I'm really glad to see that he got some like singles time, uh, to maybe showcase himself a little bit in the singles light. I think that's really good. You're a day one Mark Quinner. Straight up. I've been saying that since. I've been saying that since day (laughs) one. Since he debuted. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck what they're taking like i like i would like to see him get the dante martin treatment i mean i guess i know Dar- dante martin had got that treatment because his uh brother was injured and stuff but yeah, you're gonna have I, to call out a hit on uh, isaiah cassidy yeah like yeah yeah that's why i can go send, send somebody to break his arm that's fucked up yeah but yeah. <laughs> they uh but no i tanya I, harding I is available from what i understand oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think uh i think like he's he's got something i just really hope to see him kind of get that treatment or you know, or something at some point, uh, just to see what he can really do. Yeah. And, and Darby, it's, uh, you know, he's been involved in this, all these angles, you know, tied to sting. Um, what is, what are they going to do with him? Just keep running him out there. Just keep him on TV. And, and what's the next big angle for him? Do you reckon? See, I, I would like, I, I would imagine that he would be in the title picture at some point. Uh, maybe the TNT title picture still for the for the near future, but also like um, I don't know. He's 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 in a really good spot at the moment, being just like a a, a big baby face that makes his big appearance and everything. And obviously on on a Revolution, they had him in a spot where they just needed to get them on the show, and that's okay too. But like they, you know, I, I don't I don't know what their big plans are for them for him, but you know, I would imagine that. He would be in some kind of high profile thing, especially like when MJF is involved in the high profile mm-hmm. stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Him and MJF seem like they're kind of destined to keep doing it, to keep uh, wrestling each other and stuff. And um, I think that's going to be a big money thing eventually. Yeah, they feel I like mean, the the two pillars that are definitely kind of like in the higher up, more prestigious position, in my opinion. Their match. Back in November at the pay per view was outstanding, best and on the show it, for sure. It's funny because we kind of we kind of thought that the opener was the best on the show at Revolution too, and then mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, that was the opener on on that. So mm-hmm. fucking AEW openers, man, second to none. I mean that's that's the <laughs> that's that's what the old timers always say. If you if you're not the main event, you want to be the opener. It's the most important one of the most important matches on the show besides the main event. And then uh, I was a kid with, you know, WWF would run out like Rick Martel and like, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, maybe uh, Tino Santana or something for for an opener. And I'd always be hyped and it'd always be pretty solid for, you know, it comparatively speaking. So, yeah, I think you're right. 
Yeah, I mean, that's always the thing. You know, it sets the tone for the night. Um, it's you really put the show on your back when you when you do that and stuff. So it's pretty important. I've always heard that. So, and they fucking hit it out of the park every time with that. But yeah. the, honestly, on Revolution, I think there was a lot of matches they could have put first, straight up. It was a stacked card. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it, yeah, it's crazy. And and it, we, I know you guys were talking about match placement and stuff. And it brings to mind like some of the reports that would come out about maybe guys getting chastised for trying to steal the show or people being told to tone it down on certain cards and you know whether or not mm-hmm. that's myth or reality. Uh, no, I imagine that's, there's that's, a lot of reality to it. That's a hundred percent a reality. Like I remember yeah. I remember on one show and this was like a more of an old school show and stuff like that. I did a moonsault off the top rope and that's all I did. Mm-hmm. And then somebody was like, Hey, that match was good, but like Why'd you do a moonsault? You know, you're the first match on this card and you're not a small guy. Like you're doing stuff that smaller guys can do that would it would mean more if they did it or something like that. And I was just like, mm-hmm. eh, I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Like and I, I saved it like in that match. I saved it, you know, for the very end and I missed the moonsault. So, you know, I don't know. I, I But but they're old timers. I think it was Action Jackson is the one that actually told me that he's like, hey, you did a moonsault in the first match, you know. And um, see, this is Joey's. Cross, you know, cross pass with Action Mike Jackson. No, years <laughs> no, no not, I was gonna not, ask. It was a different. It was a very, a very different Action Jackson. So, <laughs> all right. Next up, we had a couple backstage segments. We had a uh, Dan Lambert with the Men of the Year celebrating uh, Scorpio's uh, victory. Uh, he only has the one TNT title now, uh, the one belt. Um, on Twitter, he said he gave it to Dan Lambert. I kind of think they should have just like done that in this segment. To be honest, I think it would have kind of you know, made a little bit more connection as like why I did like that second belt go away. But to be honest, I always thought the two belt thing was kind of stupid anyways. So I disagree wholeheartedly with that sentiment. I think the, the two belt thing, uh, especially when you unify a belt, like you keep it for a while and it makes, it looks big time. I mean, I think of like the, the pictures of like Ultimo dragon carrying all the belts or Misawa with like covered in all his belts and stuff like or that. Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko. Yeah, it looks big time when you fucking are decorated in gold. And uh, I, I get that, but like this was a really weird interim belt situation where it was like basically for like a week that it sure, existed. I mean, maybe, maybe, but you're not wrong about that. But like, it's still an opportunity for him to carry around two fucking belts. So carry around two fucking belts. Nothing wrong with that. I just I I agree with the, with what your your reasoning, but man, it's still fucking Scorpio Sky coming out with two belts. That's what he should fucking do. It would look cool. I mean, that guy needs some fucking pizzazz on his personality as, and he's a great wrestler already. But he needs some pizzazz on his fucking character. You don't think so. cutting cutting Riddler promos is pizzazz? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, we then had a House of Black vignette. They said spooky shit. Um, usual standard fare with them. Uh, and then we go to our next straight match. Up. I mean, straight up standard <laughs> fare. I, yeah. you know, this this. Remember Bray Wyatt's promos? Uh, yeah. When the character mm-hmm. was new, and for a second, I thought, well, this is interesting, and this is new. But then I realized a few weeks in that it's kind of redundant rambling. Well, and that's kind of what I think about this. It sounds like shit that they found on like the floor of like a, a video game writer's desk. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, uh, there's one thing. There's one thing that I think is a little different than what Bray Wyatt was doing. 
like his was always kind of cryptic and everything and they were just like they were kind of flavor but at least the house of black always have some kind of purpose and and it's directed it's directed and it's it's got some kind of like reveal or it's got some kind of tease it always has some kind of meaning to the to what they're saying like uh you know like for instance the one wherein you know they were introducing Brody king and at the end you know they were kind of showing that they were bringing somebody in he's like you're going to become more than a king and then he talked about like reaching into his past for their next member and that would led to buddy murphy so there's always honestly like a reason to do it to do it and it's not just like an abstract fucking like promo and i think that's good yeah i think that's fair um but, but yeah i mean I, I i i like this kind of stuff and uh as long as it has meaning, it's okay with me. Uh, next up, we had Jamie Hayter versus Mercedes Martinez, uh, the match that has been uh, teased for weeks at this point. Uh, this was really physical early. Uh, there were some cool moves. There was a butterfly suplex um, off the... Uh, was that off the top, I think? Or the second rope from Mercedes to Jamie Hayter? Uh, we got a backbreaker to her. Um, unfortunately, it kind of ends with, you know, sort of kind of what you typically get from this faction. You get a... Uh, you know, the heels intervene, Rebel distracts the ref, Britt um, hits Mercedes, then uh, Jamie hits kind of a lackluster lariat and pins Mercedes, uh, then, you know, they beat her up, Rosa comes out to save her, kind of standard stuff, just continuing this ongoing feud. Yeah, I think they, yeah, I thought they had, it's funny because I think Jamie Hayter and, and uh, Mercedes have better chemistry than her and Rosa did, which I wouldn't have guessed. But there was some stiff stuff in this match. And uh, yeah, it's a TV match ultimately. And they're just, they're kind of just building for, you know, the cage match next week. But uh, I mean, I'm with you guys with Jamie Hayter. I think she's going to be, you know, the women's division uh, main eventer sooner mm-hmm. rather than later. Yeah, I'm she's with- good. Definitely been saying that she's good. She has a great look, and she looks like a badass. And she, her stuff, like looks good. Like it looks like serious and legit yeah. and stuff. It doesn't. Yeah, it's not a lot of fucking soft hits. And you know, I hate those fucking clotheslines that some of the like uh, less experienced um, women wrestlers do, where they fucking do the. They go for the mm. they go for the clothesline of the lariat and they don't fall yeah. through and it looks like everybody they, knows yeah. everybody that hears what you're saying knows exactly yeah. they're seeing that in your in their head yeah yeah it looks like they're setting them down or something it's so weird yeah. but she's it fucking is very weird she wrestles she wrestles like uh, like she's really fucking going after somebody and I think that's badass yeah uh, then uh, we had a Hikaru Shida promo which. Uh, I know, like, when we watch New Japan, we kind of talk about, like, the promos where they're very, like, just kind of like this polite style. We don't really understand what's going on. That's kind of how this starts at first. But then, it, like, she gets increasingly intense. And it, like, crescendos into her saying that she's going to cut uh, Serena Deeb's head off. Yeah, so. insane. We were all like, <laughs> oh, my God. Straight up said that she is gonna she's going to decapitate her. Like, legit. Like, it was, this was awesome. Like, I love seeing the fire from Sheeta. And uh, I think this is going to be, a, this is a pretty good feud, so... That's yeah. That's you know twice in what less than two weeks that we've had references to decapitation <laughs> on live TV. Are you telling me that uh, Tony Khan's cut a deal to do some Saudi Arabia shows, dude? I, that dude, I knew you were Fuck. going there. <laughs> I knew you were going there. God damn, that might be the tease. It's, it's like oh my god, like the little subtle fucking hints. Oh Jesus my god. Christ. They just need to debut like a, a journalist character. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! 
I, I don't think they're that tasteless. They they have a little bit more sense than a oh no no question the no, other company. But, <laughs> but you know, it's almost worth doing just as you know. If I don't know if wrestling fans like sense of satire is you know well formed enough <laughs> to really appreciate that. But God, it's almost worth doing to take a shot at how how shitty um, Vince and Co is for, for yeah. dealing with that those fucking cutthroats, man. Literally. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next match we had was Keith Lee versus QT Marshall. Uh, Keith does his usual like, kind of like playing to the crowd, you know, the bask in his glory thing. QT interrupts him, starts mocking him. Uh, QT's got some heat on him, especially after that uh, hook match at the pay-per-view. Um, of course, he loses, you know, he gets he eats a beal. Um, Ricky Starks on commentary is great because he's, you know, he's feuding with Lee and him and, and Hobbs is there with him and they just kind of like just bury him on commentary make fun of his promos all that fun stuff uh, eventually uh, after QT loses uh, they actually come down to the ring Hobbs takes him out does a powerbomb on Keith Lee uh, this will be uh, I'm really excited to see this kind of develop he hit a power he hit a he hit a power he hit a spine buster oh yeah right? spine yeah. buster sorry yeah yeah it was a very good spine buster oh Will Hobbs is like fucking awesome. Like he's fucking great. I I like him. I mean, we talked about Keith Lee in the past, but like yeah, Will Hobbs fucking rules. People want to see this match, I think. Yeah, for sure. Everyone's a big fan of, you know, big guys versus big guys. Yeah, QT did a great job here and he was able to to fly across the ring and you know as as easily as some of the you know lighter guys have been when keith lee does that big throw and mm-hmm. shit dude maybe that maybe it really is just keith lee strength i don't know but um yeah qt did just as good a job selling that as as some of the you know uh juniors have and yeah you know the hobbs lee match is what they're teasing and we may have to wait till all in or whatever to get it but it's gonna be fun and I, hopefully it's not a fart in church I doubt I, I doubt we'll have to wait that long. I'm sure they'll do like a big show in between, but they're uh I, I'm looking forward to that. I, I think QT did awesome here too. I think he's very underrated as a worker. So well, this is like a, a subtle point, but uh what is Keith Lee's finish? They've it's, never called it a name, but like well, he hasn't been he used to I, do like the spirit bomb, which was a power bomb and whatnot, but he's doing like an AA looking thing. So that's called the ground zero, or at least that's what it was called when I wrestled. I've taken okay. that move. And like, it's the, uh, yeah, he used to call it the ground zero. I don't know what he calls it now, if he has like a different name for yeah, it. Yeah, because the commentary what. is never like noted it, which yeah. is really weird because Excalibur like always says like every move, like, but not this one. Yeah. And I only know that because I spent time in the same company as him. So but it's TBA, man. He's, he's trying to come up with. The Some, coolest fucking name for his finish. Yeah. Man. Just, he's dragging on. Like I never, I've dragged my feet naming these little pug puppies that we have. I don't know. I don't know like what like you like I don't know what ground zero even meant at the time. So I don't know like what he's gonna go for here. Whatever. Well, we can do a contest like name Keith Lee's finisher. Just throw <laughs> it up on Twitter. You know what I mean? We'll send yeah. it to him. We'll send the winning result to him and we'll be hearing it from out of Excalibur's mouth by the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, that takes us to the main events. Uh, Tony Nese versus the debuting Swerve Strickland. Uh, I thought this match was actually really awesome. I didn't really know what to expect. I haven't seen a ton of Swerve's work, and Tony Nese hasn't been used a ton since he's shown up in AEW. 
but these guys have like pretty good chemistry. They did a lot of cool technical work, uh, some stuff on the outside as well. Um, they're, uh, you know, uh, Nice does, uh, I think he did this in one of his earlier match. I think it was like in Sammy as well, where he uh, catches his opponent in like the ring apron. Um, like when they're like going at him from the outside. Uh, we got a deadlift brain buster uh, for a near fall. Uh, nice has like some really nice uppercuts that he hits throughout. And uh, ultimately, Swerve wins with a double foot stomp from the top rope. And uh, yeah, this was really solid. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, Nice, a couple of things break differently. And he could, you know, he could have been one of their, their big top guys. Like, he's that good. He really is that good. Very always been underrated as well. And, and like, maybe people are seeing him as like a 205 Live guy coming over to AEW, but he's good and he's always been really good. So I'm glad he got a chance to showcase. This match was good. It was good, a good win for um, Swerve. So. Uh, I like that. We were saying that he looks like a fucking like old school king, fucking um, Katoni Nice. Yeah, like you looks like. Yeah, you said he looks like uh, if like the Burger King was real, <laughs> like the Burger King like uh, guy, the Burger King mascot, yeah, the mascot. was real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, young like his young life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Burger Prince, if you will. Before, yeah, before he was the king. Yeah, that's funny. So he's just got like that face, but um, yeah, he's awesome. I hope to see something good here for him so that was rampage um we uh i'll have some uh questions from you guys uh that we want to answer and and we also have a special uh thing that we're going to do as well so let's get to some of the questions i think we got two questions right now uh yeah but actually before the questions should we talk a little bit about uh what happened on <clears throat> smackdown oh my god oh my gosh you're right biggie got hurt bad yeah. Yes, he took, I believe it was a belly-to-belly suplex from, uh, was it Ridge Holland? Uh, I mean, I'm surprised he even has two names, I mean, knowing WWE, but uh, yeah, this guy also apparently injured Johnny Gargano for a pretty similar setup before. Uh, this looked really bad. Uh, Keith broke his neck. He seems to be, you know, at least as far as like a guy who has his neck broken. You just said okay. Keith broke his neck. <laughs> or not Keith, oh my god, Big E. Um, Lee E, you know, it's just... <laughs> It kind of similar, but uh, yeah, like so, you know, Biggie broke his neck. Uh, he can at least like you know move his digits and whatnot. He seems to be in good spirits and whatnot. But uh, yeah. yeah, he it so it's a he had two of his vertebrae fractured at the C six, which apparently isn't you know a huge deal breaker. It heals up pretty well from what I've read, and the C one, which is like that's the money vertebrae, and it it doesn't apparently heal back fully or completely ever everything sounds like best case scenario from what we're being told and oh you know um biggie has a strong neck uh from weightlifting and training his neck and things and dude does have a thick neck no doubt i hated to see this happen to him i i don't really watch that product too much but he's one of the and one of the reasons is is this like he's a guy that 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 should have been they should have identified him as a top guy years ago, and they didn't. He's amazing. He's entertaining. Um, puts on outstanding matches. So athletic, charismatic, and just the fact that they don't identify that. It's one, it's one of the reasons I don't watch the product. I know he recently had a title run, and I saw his 
his chintzy little cash in or the money in the bank cash in where he almost loses, you know, after coming in after a, you know, huge exhausting match. And who did he cash in on? Was it Lashley? Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. Lashley almost beats him anyway. And it, you know, it was pretty cheap and I didn't see any of his title run. So it was cool that he finally got it, but it was years overdue. And from what I understand, it wasn't like a title run that, you know, is going to be a lot of a lot of people compared it to like Rey Mysterio's title run if that gives yeah 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 it's it's like it's like they gave him a bone they like you know he deserves it and stuff like that but they never treated him like a top guy okay yeah Rich Holland he's a he's an ex-rugby guy Mm -hmm. and so the first thing you think is oh god they've got another professional athlete big guy in here and he's injured another superstar or whatever Marty fucking Jones trained this guy so it's not like, you know, he showed up in the performance center and got like some group training sessions and then they threw him out there. Like Marty Jones is one of the best of all time. Right. And so I don't know if, if it, you want to walk through what you think happened here, Joey, like what, like where the mistake lied. Uh, I think that he just wasn't low enough. Like he, um, he grabbed him high and that's usually not bad if you have like, uh, if you're throwing him far enough. So if if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna do it uh, if you're gonna do it high you need to like arch your back more right so he can so that the dude can get over but really he could have grabbed him lower here um, it just looked like he couldn't get him up like in, in in this situation the way that he was gonna throw him if he grabbed him low enough he could have pivoted his hands to push him over kind of like a back body drop and it would have probably been fine he could have protected him so. It just there just was no the technique was kind of crappy it was a little it was pretty sloppy. And if he's made this mistake before, it's a bad habit that he obviously has. Um, I remember like w- one time in practice, I was I wanted to do an exploder, and um, that's that was one of, that was one of the things that I ended up doing a lot. But I wanted to learn it right. And I remember this one guy, and I felt so fucking bad. But I went to give him the exploder, and I was like, "Hey, I've seen this move. Can I try it? Can I like try to learn it?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead." And so I did it and I made a very similar mistake. He didn't land on his head, but his arm got hooked, like stuck to me almost. Like he almost, like, I don't remember, I don't know if he held on or if I just didn't do it right, but I heard him. Like he was like, ah, and he hurt his arm. I didn't injure him or anything, but it hurt. And um, I was like, shit. But I immediately learned, like the very first time I did it, that I need to be able to help the wrestler when I do it. So you probably, if, if you ever see any footage of me or anything, do it any, anymore. I'll go for it, but I'll also have my hand posted on like their thigh. That way, if something goes wrong or if something like um, just got just got off balance or something like that, I can just like push them with my right hand and they'll go over just fine. So I, I so I learned my lesson, and uh, I, it seems like he's in a he has a bad habit. If this is something that he's done before, it seems like he has a bad habit and he didn't learn his lesson. So that's all I that's the only thing I can think of. But apparently there's no heat on him. He was very apologetic. Mistakes do happen in this business and it's it's not ballet. But I think that there's something fundamentally wrong with the way he's doing suplexes. Sure. And and, you know, 2022, we see a lot of dudes getting, if not dumped on their heads, taking moves that often land are often end mm-hmm. with neck or, or head bumps mm-hmm. and it's almost spammed to the point where it kind of doesn't mean much anymore. And so I'm wondering 
why do that on the outside on that match in that spot other right. than like let's be badass and i get that and i appreciate that but we don't even we don't even i don't think wrestling fans even pop for that as much as we used to like and that jericho and yeah. uh eddie match like it was the placement of it that you know got us all popping and but here it just seemed like you know it could have been anything it's weird we might have liked it but like maybe wwe fans won't pop as hard for that you know i think sure. it would i think it would like on paper it's a good spot and it's completely safe to do that if you do it right it's totally fine and we see biggie do overhead belly to bellies all the time i mean brock lesnar when you see him do a belly to belly or kurt angle they do one they throw them ridge was like barely he i don't know if he was tired or what but he barely got biggie over he didn't it didn't look like he really arched his back or anything so and and, he, and another another thing I read that he came off one leg early, like before he's even kind of rotating on that. So he lost some of his lower body strength on that. Yeah. Um, it, it shit. Yeah, it happens, man. Yeah. Doing dangerous shit like this. It shocks me that this, this kind of thing doesn't happen more often. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the at the at the move right now. Right. Yeah. No arch in his back at all. He falls. He bumps. He does the move. Yeah. He bumps. If you look at literally any, like when you look at Taz, look at Taz when he does a fucking suplex. His mm -hmm. his fucking back, back is arched, like the fucking archiest arch you can fucking possibly do. Ridge was like not arched at all. He was falling back. You can say whatever you want about the foot, but he was never planted and he was never like he was he never gave he didn't give Big E a solid base to bump off of to take his own bump. I'm looking at it right now. There's no there's nowhere for Big E to base and there's nowhere for Big E to go over him because the arch wasn't there. So Big E goes straight down. So I'm I'm literally looking at this and it looks like Ridge just takes a bump. He takes a flat back mm -hmm. bump and that's not how you do a fucking suplex just by any standards. And honestly, now that I'm looking at it, um now that I'm looking at it, like Ridge, this is all Ridge's fault. This is bad. Like this, you should know how to fucking do it. Throw a suplex. Yeah, that's, that's insane. I'm looking at it. I'm just like, holy shit. That's fucking. That is a that is a day one fucking thing right there. That you should you should arch your back. Holy fuck. Yeah, it's too bad, man. It's such a, it's such a hard thing to watch. I mean, get well soon, Biggie. We love Biggie around here. So yeah, get well soon, man. I want to see you wrestle Ishii one day. <laughs> hey was any students oh my god hey know. was anybody looking on and watching this unfold <laughs> uh the uh main roster debuting butch oh my god <laughs> who's butch who's this butch guy he, Fucking... is he from peaky blinders oh my gosh dude pete dunn is like one of the best wrestlers in the fucking world and it seemed like he was being really well protected for years and now they put him on the fucking roster in a newsboy's hat, looking like an old timey fucking British like bully, like a chimney sweeper or something. Yeah, like, like a like a old timey. <laughs> I'm telling you, one of their creative is a fan of fucking Peaky Blinders, and they finally they've probably been pitching it for like five oh years. To get a and then like, <laughs> yeah. And then it, it just made him look stupid, and the fucking name is stupid. And he's wearing that hat, and he's he's got like a bun because he wears a bun. And the fucking hat is like sticking up like a fucking like there's a boner in his hat and it's he there's nothing good about it. Like, holy fuck. How do you fuck up Pete Dunn? Jesus fucking Christ. 
And he's what? been he's been on TV for years on WWE yep. TV as Pete yeah. fucking Dunn. Why why do you need to do mm-hmm. that? He's I mean, like, they did the same thing with Walter too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah and he fucking yeah, exactly. And they were long reigning United Kingdom champions, that which is their most prestigious title in the whole entire company. It's like the only. It's like the one that's protected the most somehow, and uh, it's. Because they like, don't pay attention to it. <laughs> Maybe yeah, they don't pay attention to it. So they're so like, oh, Walter and Ilya Dragunov are gonna have like a fucking incredible match and stuff. <laughs> so despite like you know Vince just doesn't have his hands on it and shit. So I don't know, man. That's uh, that's really bad. I I love Pete Dunne and I've I've liked him ever since the United Kingdom tournament. I saw something in him immediately. I saw something. In, I was so excited about Pete Dunne. I called Davey and told him he needed to watch. The tournament i'm like oh dude this guy pete dunn you need to see this guy pete dunn. i was pumped i liked i liked him from the very very get-go and uh yeah and it was it it, it didn't disappoint that guy's yeah. fantastic yeah. fucking fantastic so you know he's in that company though so he's taking the money and um good for him there and uh i, I do feel for him though because that sucks. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. And maybe he, maybe he's stoked about it. Maybe he's the <laughs> Peaky Blinders fucking fan fiction writer. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, maybe. Know. Yeah, maybe he pitched the idea. I, I did. Knows, man. I, I did love uh, John Silver dunking on it on a uh, Twitter though, just because like on, like his whole gimmick on like BTE like with like Adam Cole was like calling him Budge and like that would have been like his like future if he stuck with WWE and he would have been like doing something stupid and like. Yeah. He's re- like the fact that they did rename an NXT call up something eerily similar to Budge is like it's incredible. It's like you know life imitating parody, and <laughs> I guess that's yeah, just WWE. It really is. I mean, it's it's also like I, uh, Gabe Sapolsky made it made a, a pretty viral tweet about this, and he's hundred percent right. But he was saying like he was seeing seeing wrestlers dunking on Pete Dunne about it, and he's like. He's like, I see so many wrestlers dunking on him that would have let WWE call them uh, Farty McFartstein just for five minutes on the fucking main roster. And he's right. Yeah, and, yeah. He, he, and they would have done it. They would have taken it. And you, and you know what? They're, they're probably, I think most of those wrestlers probably aren't even half the wrestler that Pete Dunne is. So, well, I'm sure most of them aren't really dunking on him. They're just dunking on the creative that put him in that position, to be honest. Yeah, I just it's counterproductive. It doesn't help. So... Pete's had, it, Pete's got it's enough. Embarrassing sh- for him. Yeah, Pete's got enough shit having to wear the fucking stupid hat and the <laughs> just like. And I've seen like man, like you look back, he and he has like good style and stuff like that. He's got a good presence. I've watched some of his old like progress promos. You know when they did like the mustache mountain stuff and like he dressed nice and he cuts a really good fucking promo and he's he's had it for a long time. He's been ready. He's been main roster ready for like, years now. Almost since when he first got there, so yeah. well with it in a company with you know taste for in ring product like he he's he would have been you know already a you know main event kind of player Straight guy up. in the rotation. Straight but up, Barty McFartstein. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see. What, sorry, I want to like, see that wrestler. Dude, <laughs> I, I I don't care. I don't know if I want to see the wrestler, but I want to see the. The exaggerated look on his face when he when he's like supposedly passing gas on TV and like the ref is taking a bump. We've we've already see seen that. that. Remember when they gave that gimmick to Natalia? And they oh yeah. And they, they didn't even they didn't even change her name. They just hope people would call her Natty Nightfart or something. Oh, yeah. Remember when like Drake Maverick's like gimmick was that like he would like pee when people like touched him like 
Oh my god. Oh uh, yeah, he, yeah, that. he pissed himself. Yeah, he pissed himself. Yeah, oh you my god. Piss yourself, Drake. All right, gotta, he's gonna piss. He's gonna piss. He's gonna piss. <laughs> Do you think if events events could have installed like smellovision systems in oh everyone's god. home, like imagine the gimmicks we would have gotten. Would you to turn that shit on? <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, you, feel, I, you smell like burning. <laughs> you smell burning flesh whenever like Kane gets set on fire or some oh shit. My God. You smell like straight up dead body. When, you smell like dead body and like pussy stink whenever like they did the fucking necrophilia angle. Oh my God! <laughs> or, or when Sunny would come out. <laughs> <laughs> dead. <laughs> We could go on forever talking about like Smellovision, yeah, WWF, oh, the, the, the stink face, yeah. Oh my Rikishi. god, <laughs> 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 fucking, fucking viscera, or whenever he did like his, uh, like whenever he did like the sexual V or whatever the fuck. Oh what? my god, didn't he do a sexual gimmick at one point where he wore like pajamas and stuff? Yes, yeah. yeah. Was it yeah, sexual was, chocolate yeah. or was that someone else? That was Mark Henry. Yeah, that oh, was, yeah, yeah. That, that was but Mark that Henry, but, but, but yeah, no, he, he was Big Daddy V. Yeah, he changed his name to Big Daddy oh, yeah, V. Yeah. Remember when he was humping people in the ring? Yeah. Oh my God, that smell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fuck. Well, yeah, well, now to the uh, yeah, actual so questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. All right, so we missed this one a couple weeks ago from uh, Shiki. I gotta know if you had to pick a favorite moment in wrestling, what would it be and why? All right, I have mine. Um, mine is, I think, mine's from Ring of Honor, and it's uh, and and Davey was around for this too, but uh, during the whole Ring of Homicide angle uh, or, or storyline, Homicide became my favorite wrestler, and they just booked it so fucking perfectly and. They got to this point where, where like everybody was chanting for homicide because he had been there from day one, and they were doing this invasion angle with CZW. So everybody wanted to see homicide stand up for Ring of Honor. So they had all these other wrestlers fighting for Ring of Honor except Homicide. He didn't want to do it, so he made a deal with Jim Cornette, and he's like still said that he had to think about it. Like he's feeding hard with with Jim Cornette. So every single show they would do these big giant brawls with. Uh, with CZW, they had everybody, like almost everybody in it, and they're fighting all over the arena. They lasted like 20 minutes. They lasted forever, and they were some of the coolest brawls I've ever seen. And they really had a, like a, they really did a really good job of, um, like presenting like the chaos and stuff like that. And literally every single show, homicide, homicide, every show, but homicide would never come out. So finally, they had this match booked, and it was Necro Butcher versus Samoa Joe which is a legendary match in itself. And this is how you know that people really, how over Homicide was because that was like a legendary match at the time. That was like, like everybody knows about IWA Mid-South, uh, Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher. It's one of the most violent matches I've ever seen and it's just so good. And um, crazy clash of styles, but it was it, that's what made it work as well. So they booked this match. It's, it's uh, Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher and shit goes... <laughs> crazy again you know the match starts they're fighting a little bit um all hell breaks loose with the czw thing and everything and then everybody's homicide homicide and then finally finally his fucking music hits 
and he comes out and he's fucking there finally to save the day. Everybody's going fucking ballistic, just absolute goosebumps all over my arms, man. And he gets in there and he starts beating on Necro Butcher and then the match turns from Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher into a singles match, uh, a fight without honor between Necro Butcher and Homicide. And man, they had they did everything. They did some cool shit. Everybody was into every little thing that they did. They had like this big chair riot and the chair, the, the ring was completely covered in chairs. And then they fucking had their match on top of that. They did like a superplex onto those chairs. They did like tiger drivers. They did all sorts of moves on the chairs, like basically just treated the chairs like the mat. And it was just a sick match. Like that's probably my favorite pro wrestling moment I can think of. What about you, EOD? So uh, I might piss off an entire country with this. The Montreal screw job. <laughs> so this is kind of just I'm like really into like just like understanding like you know not just like what happens like in the ring and like the story and whatnot but like just like everything around it and like there's no better like documented moment i think in like the history of wrestling than like this moment there's been books multiple books written about this documentaries everything i think it's just it's just so fascinating uh and like and absurd in a lot of like weird ways we're just like how important like they treated like the title um how like upset people got over it like the fact that they had to like come up with this convoluted way to like take it off Brenton and ensure that you know like he wouldn't like you know just beat the shit out of Shawn Michaels on the way out things like that I just for me it's just like this really like fascinating moment in wrestling and like I mean I like you know when I got into wrestling you know I was um I would have been like two when the screw job happened so like I didn't you know watch it live but like I only really knew like Vince as like the Mr. McMahon character so like this is like before that so like it's just kind of like weird like knowing that like oh yeah like this dude was just like a commentator that for whatever reason like if you didn't know that he was the owner of the company he's just there at ringside ready to like cause this match to you know go south and it's like kind of like this weird like breaking of kayfabe and stuff like that that for me it's just always like really fascinating oh yeah no question man that's mm-hmm. like uh however long that actual moment took you know in that match and then the you know decades of discussion yeah i hear you this is this is a really really tough one for me and i thought about it and i this answer would change a lot right you know we've been watching joshi stuff and right now if you ask me like when manami toyota finally beats aja kong for the um uh 3wa championship like dude i i mean i i get goosebumps for that you know she had Mm -hmm. been she had been you know such an important part of uh all japan women ajw Mm -hmm. for a long time and had you know there's this trilogy of of tag matches uh which is like a a rivalry between uh, ajw and jpw which was not quite a startup uh rival promotion but they had recently had a split and kind of rebranded and they sent two of their top uh girls over to uh i should say women because these are these are not girls these are badass <laughs> women that right i mean they were what they were doing was rival rivaling what was going on in all japan at the time which i'll get to that in a second but she was such an important part of that and that trilogy of, of tag matches that ajw versus um jpw uh, with Dynamite Kanze and, and Yamada, dude, those are, those, 
if you haven't seen that trilogy, man, maybe we'll tweet out some links or something. But that would be cool, yeah. That's man, that's some of my favorite wrestling of all time. But it's but it's also topical for me because I've been visiting those matches. But when Toyota in '95 beats Aja Kong in a classic, like in, that's in '95 was like the year of Manami Toyota. I mean, her match with. Uh, in OE, that hour-long draw while and during her title reign, one match of the year. Speaking of Scott Hall, it won over there, won over Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon's uh, SummerSlam match. There's actually an, an All Japan tag match that I I I think is better than the Minami match, but uh, we'll talk about that another day because that's another story. But I get stoked thinking about that. My favorite thing in wrestling, though, it's not a, really a moment, but the thing that when I think what gives you the most joy, it's the 90s All Japan crowds. Just they're the best crowds of all time. They get so the excitement, like you can feel it pouring out of your speakers, like into your body. Like it's not just that they're loud. It's it's the type of emotion that it, it, it almost like it's a, I don't know how to describe it, man, but it's almost like a wavelength that you can feel it's so great and whenever i need to pick me up or if you know i watch a shitty episode of tv or whatever i can turn that on and just get stoked about wrestling again it just you talked about your heart being full when eddie won you know Mm -hmm. the match against jericho that's how i feel watching you know um misawa like you know make a hot comeback on Kawada or something. It's just, mm-hmm. and, and that the crowd just getting insane for it. But, you know, also on the, on the ring of honor tip, like we're, we're talking about super card of honor coming up. I was actually at the first super card of honor back in 06. And that whole weekend, there were two shows. I think they're known as better than our best and super card of honor one, but super card of honor, um, climaxed with a blow off, but with a great feud between, Homicide and Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana was doing, uh, was, you know, comedy, you know, he's a comedy wrestler, but he's mm-hmm. really talented. And they did this to show like a serious side of him. And it was so well booked, like props to Gabe again. It was beautiful. The blow off was great. There was a nut, there was a chair riot there. Like we threw our chairs in the ring. My friend accidentally threw a neighboring fans chair in the ring and they almost fought <laughs> but it was, yeah, yeah i mean it was incredible that whole weekend was incredible i know that's a cheat and i, I probably should have had a more succinct answer and like a, a succinct moment but i, I remember like um uh, i remember that like fuse was so good man and like i remember the one of the one parts that stick out in my mind is when they did the angle and homicide poured drano down Colt Cabana's yeah. throat, like, oh my god, what a crazy visual that was. Well, yeah, it, it was like the beads, and if that's, I don't know if that product's still on the market, but they used to have like Drano beads, which look like little balls, yeah. and you would dump them down your drain. And so, I'm, I don't know what they used instead. Who cares? But <laughs> he dumps them down his throat, and then Colt Cabana like throws them yeah. up in the ring, yeah. bouncing all around. It was such a yeah, insane visual. Such a great visual. He's like vomiting and everything. Oh, it was cr- yeah, crazy, crazy fucking angle, <laughs> man. And yeah, it was one of the, my favorite fuse. But yeah, fucking Gabe's booking is so understated these days. Yeah, man. Um. Yeah. What's our next question? Uh. So I'll leave this one to you guys to answer uh, because I'm not actually that familiar with these, but. Uh, EX Dude asked, uh, what is the better world title tournament, Mania 4 or Survivor Series 98? Mm. 
that's just such a tough one. Um, I'm gonna, man, I, I gotta say, like Survivor Series '98 was the one where um, The Rock turned, right? I think so. Yeah, it was yes. his first yes. uh, yeah. Yeah. first title yes. win. Yeah, that he was, wins the title. Mm. Uh, the the crowd's hot for him. Yeah, that the was, entire tournament. He's so over. Yeah. Like he's maybe arguably more over than Austin at this point because they the crowd's been seeing Austin now for a while, and and The Rock is coming up. And dude, they're it's it was awesome, and they're they're chanting Rocky. And well, this this man, led he's, he's this over. led to their this led to their Mania match, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So and, yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah. And you know, after he beats he beats mankind in the final and uh mm. turns and, and hugs Vince McMahon, big heel turn, and it was great. I mean, the tournament was great. I don't know, but what, what do you think though? That was, know, which, I, which is better? I gotta fucking say Survivor Series ninety eight is so fucking iconic. Um God damn, the the rock the rock heel turn was so masterfully crafted and Mankind was the perfect person for him to turn on. And uh, yeah, it was fucking wonderful. I'm trying to remember the entire bracket. I remember we had like. I've got it up. We had, oh yeah, we had, we had, yeah, Rock versus Triple H. I remember that was a solid match. And then um, I don't remember all the other ones. Like, I, I don't. I don't think Rock versus Triple H is on here. Rock versus Triple H was on that Survivor Series. It was like first round match, I thought. No, he uh, beat Big Boss Man first round. So the bracket is, yeah, the bracket is uh, Mankind versus uh, Duane Gill, Al Snow versus Jarrett, uh, Austin versus Big Boss Man, uh, DQ. Uh, wait, is it, why is it listed twice? I'm pretty sure Rock versus Triple H was on there. I don't, I don't see, no, because he beat uh, Boss Man in like three seconds. Is that what it was? I thought that match was on there. Yeah, Triple H isn't on this card. Okay, what the fuck? Are you sure? Are we sure about that? I I maybe you know for me you know thinking about this I it probably would have been smart to pull up the brackets and, yeah. and kind of I'm looking that. at the, I've just pulled it up and it says Rock versus Triple H on here. Undertaker had a buy, Kane had a buy, so we had Undertaker and Kane in the second round. Rock versus Triple H, Goldust a Shamrock, Mankind uh, versus question mark question mark question mark. Jarrett versus Snow, Xbox versus Regal. Oh, I remember the Xbox versus Regal match too, and Stone Cold versus Boss Man. So that's the bracket that I'm looking at right now. Um, dude, I remember the um, I remember oh, the Regal is. versus Xbox match. It was uh, uh, Regal was doing that man's man gimmick, and I remember loving this match. And uh, Regal, all he did was stretch and put and tie uh, X-Pac up in the knots and just beat the fuck out of him. And then he uh, he did it so bad, and I, ca I can't remember what the finish was, honestly. I really can't remember. But I remember like they had to call it because um, he was just fucking putting uh, X-Pac in all, all these like horrible positions. And I think it ended with like the regal stretch or something like that. And I can't remember who actually went forward in that tournament. I think it was... Uh, I want to say it was... Um, like it, it, they called it as a draw or something. Like yeah, that. that's what it looks like on the. Yeah, uh, yeah, I want to. Yeah, they just they had to call it, and um, that was crazy. I remember, I remember that he was doing the like man's man gimmick and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, Stephen Regal was fucking awesome. Like William Regal is just amazing. He's been around for so long, and his matches are always really cool. And um, 
Yeah, I remember that. I don't think they ever did much with him after that as, as far as that gimmick, because I think he ended up going back to WCW not long after that. But yeah, I remember that shit. Yeah, I think he had to, because I don't really remember him being in WWE at this time very much. The reason I didn't pull up the bracket for Survivor Series 98 and study it is because I wasn't going to be able to get a, give a fair answer no matter what, because WrestleMania 4 was the first pay-per-view event that i watched live mm-hmm. um i was on a little basketball team in elementary school and uh it was like hey you know ken the fat kid on the team who never plays is having a birthday party and we're all invited <laughs> it was like oh okay awesome what uh what's going on he's like yeah they're watching uh we're watching wrestlemania and i was just so stoked do you remember the pay-per-view channels that would run previews for either movies or pay-per-view events Mm-hmm. Um, this was before on demand. So you'd have to call the cable company or whatever and like order it. Um, they were running promos for WrestleMania four for weeks on this channel. And my sister and I used to watch that channel, just wishing that we could order these movies and these events. And they had a really long package for WrestleMania four. And it was highlighting the rival, uh, still ongoing rivalry between Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. And I was so invested when I found out that that's what he was watching. I was really hyped. And for Ken got a bunch. Ken was a huge wrestling fan. I This was the first time I'd been around other kids that even liked wrestling. Um, you know, maybe somebody had like a hillbilly gym action figure, and they but they didn't know who he was or whatever <laughs> growing up. But this was the first time I could talk wrestling with kids my age. And granted, we were, you know, seven or eight. But yeah, Ken got this Hulk Hogan like workout kit that came with a little Hulkamania like headband and shirt and he put it on. Ken had rosacea, so he always looked like he had just gone like toe to toe with Andre, you know what I mean? He was hyped. He was already sweating before the event started. It was a tournament. They had a big screen TV. The dads were in there watching. We were just so hyped and it was, you know, I was just I remember my uncle who was into wrestling asked me once, um, Hey, who's your favorite wrestler? You like wrestling? Who's, and I just told him Hulk Hogan. And I remember kind of the disappointing, disappointed kind of tone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he, he probably wanted me to say like Terry Funk or something. He was, he lived in Texas and probably wanted me to say Terry Funk, but I didn't didn't know, I didn't know who they were at that time. You know, maybe, maybe the Von Eriks, but, um, I was just so stoked on Hogan, but seeing the other kids that were just excited about ultimate warrior and Randy Savage who eventually won the tournament. And I was already a mark for tournaments because we had rented a Coliseum home video, um, of an event called the wrestling classic, which I think was an early pay-per-view for WWF. One of the first few might've been the, I can't remember if it was before or after WrestleMania one, but, um, it's a tournament and, I was just so invested in that. Like it got my little, it got my little wrestling weenie going, man. And dynamite kid was in that. And like this first time I saw Adrian Adonis, um, uh, I think Paul Orndorff was in it. Um, iron Sheik, And it's, it's a really cool event. Uh, some of the in-ring work is worth watching now, but just for those curious about the history of tournaments and American wrestling, I would definitely check out wrestling classic, but, I'm a mark for tournaments to this day, like right, right on through the new Japan cup, which is, you know, one of the most exciting events of the year. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I was excited about Survivor Series 98. Um, I wish they do them more often just because I'm just literally a mark for them. But it's hard to it's hard for me not to say Mania 4 just because that was for me just such an important, important, you know, pay-per-view. Did you ever watch the UK tournament? Yes, yeah, yeah I did that, watch that. Yeah, that thought, was great. The Cruiserweight Classic yeah, was Cruiserweight terrific. Classic was awesome, yeah. Some of the best programming they've done, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it looks like all that is they're they're done with with trying to appease us. Right, they don't care about yeah. the indie fans anymore. Uh, or real wrestling fans and stuff, yeah. I mean, I, like, the, yeah, wrestling, that's the one where fucking uh, DiBiase paid off Andre, right? Yes, and yeah, Hogan that. gets eliminated mm-hmm. in the first round, and I was just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I can't. Is I, I, mean, I think everybody was expecting Randy Savage versus Hogan in the finals, and I guess they were saving that. So yeah, DiBiase and Savage in the finals. Mm-hmm. Hogan, of course, you know, makes his run in. Like he's, he's got to be involved in the main event. Isn't this uh kind of leading to eventually like the the manga powers and whatnot? Yeah, it's a hundred percent what it was. Yeah. They formed shortly thereafter, and by SummerSlam, like they're in the main event. So they were definitely cle- like uh, teasing, or not teasing, but saving an actual. Um, they they were definitely like uh, saving the actual like one on one face off between Hulk Hogan down the line when they were actually going to feud. So yeah, which happened in a year. Yeah, yeah. WrestleMania five. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, and then uh, okay, and then we have um, we have a special request. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> somebody asked us to review uh, a street fight, like a real life viral street fight between uh, two so this women. This was match. This wasn't booked. This was not booked. This was uh, this was booking was pretty much. awful. If it was, I'm gonna treat it. I don't think it's not bad. Like I'm gonna. I mean, we're gonna. I'm gonna treat this like it's a fucking match. And uh, I'm gonna. I don't know their names, but I'm gonna make up their names. And uh, so we got. So first off, this is in a McDonald's. This is this is in a McDonald's, but we got Big Tiff versus uh, versus um, Mini Sharon, and <laughs> I guess Mini Sharon fucking Big Tiff. yeah, Mini Sharon fucking talks some shit, and um, I guess she says something about uh, Big Tiff's mom. So they just go off, and we're well. We she throws her food. She throws her tray or drink right yeah. at her. Yeah, we joined. Do we want to do a synchronized commentary to this? Listen, we could do that. Like, okay, so we start with like, we okay, we start with like the throwing of a fucking milkshake. The milkshake goes flying, and then some of it comes back like a fucking thick cum shot right back on the fucking mini. She Sharon's botched the milk. She face. botched yeah. the milkshake toss. Absolutely, but as she as it, so we're joining the action like right as it's fucking going. And that's what we start off with. So then she picks up her fucking tray, and I guess she had some fucking fries and a burger on it. You can see the you can see the yellow wrapper, so it was definitely a fucking cheeseburger. So she fucking swings the fucking tray, hits Big Tiff right in the face. Big Tiff doesn't give a fuck and just mows right through, right through the fucking no tray. Sells no sells it. Doesn't give a shit and just starts going at it. They start fucking swinging. They start punching. Uh, Big Tiff is is in control. She's punching her as hard as she fucking can. And then Mini Sharon's titty comes out. And I've never fucking seen this before in my life because you don't see naked women getting fucking thrown Joey around. Joey Virgin confirmed. No, you don't see like <laughs> you don't see you don't see like women getting thrown around with their titties out all the time. So she's get she gets fucking uh her her titty comes out and it looks like her tip, strap might have broke when she actually well, threw the tray. Well, what I'm what I was trying to say is like when 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 uh 
when her tit comes out, Big Tiff grabs her and starts swinging her left and right. And she swings her so hard that when she swings her left, fucking Minnie Sharon's titty goes right. And when she swings her the other way, her titty goes left, like far left. And it's just the fucking most insane thing I've ever seen. And then the fucking like a, a WWE SmackDown ref shows up to try to break up the fight. And Minnie Sharon starts to struggle and... SmackDown ref isn't even having it. This is the most authoritative ref I've ever seen. And she starts beating on on Mini Sharon. And uh It's basically a handicap match at this point. At this point, yeah, it's basically a handicap match. Big Tiff shows back up, starts slamming her into the table, and it's just absolutely fucking brutal. What did you guys think of this match? Well, I haven't seen puppies swinging around like this in a match since Mae Young. So <laughs> In, in Survivor Series 99 or whatever that was. But, dude, I mean, this was better than... This was probably better than anything on WWE television. Dude, the way she's... <laughs> Big Tiff is a strong style proponent. Like, she no-sells that that fucking stiff metal tray shot to the face like she's fucking Akira Taui or something. I was just fucking beautiful beautiful and yeah okay so the milkshake toss is equivalent to swinging a chair at somebody them ducking and the chair coming off the ropes and fucking clobbering yourself she gets most of that milkshake on her fucking self like she was all emotion right there and no focus but just just when you think the match is over yeah there's like there's a run-in by big tips fucking stable yeah that's what it's, I, I, yeah she's wearing like a blue smackdown t-shirt but then like dude little sharon also goes to grab the steel chair and boy what a steel chair this is it's not your classic folding steel chair it's like a straight up steel stool and she's holding it big tip grabs it from her kind of just takes it from yeah, her and just and see i see i didn't like yeah. this this was kind of like an uh, a little anticlimactic last she just like line tames her and they just like end it right you know yeah like, this the, the match just that's ends it, they yeah. walk off and She's like, so I say, don't say shit about my mama. And then that's pretty much it. And like, you have, uh, I mean, what a fucking weird finish to the match, honestly. I don't really know why, like, you would just do that. Like, I guess they're going to fucking fight again one day. Maybe they're fucking building to the next pay-per-view or something. But I want to see more. I mean, maybe they can put this in a cage. That way, uh, other people can't intervene. Like, I'd like to see that. Yeah, you know, uh... WWE has like a gap in the roster now without Nia Jax, and I think Big Tiff could really be like the credible monster that they want for their division. So I would absolutely, you know, I would absolutely watch there. Big Tiff over fucking Nia Jax. I would absolutely do that. Oh my yeah, I, I think this we should watch the. This is there's some actual pull apart shit. Yeah, that, that goes south here. Yeah, people this can take stuff. yeah. Some wrestlers could take notes seeing how the pull apart actually should work, and you know what. Like, you know, you know what else is funny is fucking, um, I didn't even notice this before, but going back right at the beginning of the match, uh, Minnie Sharon's hair is in a bun and she's wearing flip flops and she loses a flip flop right away. And she's, she's got one flip flop for the, for the rest of the match and her hair just comes straight out of the freaking bun. Yeah. It's, it's a, she's, she's, uh, she definitely went through the ringer in this match, but you know what? I admire her fire. And her fighting spirit, she kept going even though she was getting beat up by multiple people. So she took some stiff shots to the face and neck area, and she fights back. She she fights back against Mm -hmm. Blue Shirt here. Mm -hmm. You said it was SmackDown ref, like SmackDown ref was trying to be a peacekeeper, gets smacked, beats her down, and then Big Tiff comes back in 
to teach her a lesson for turning on the peacekeeper. And then Brian Kendrick shows up at the end. Brian Kendrick. <laughs> and then she also gets thrown into the table, which like just hits the small of her back. Like it's got a oh, yeah. like you could have broke her spine right there. It was a really dangerous move. She very, took an apron bump for sure. Like yeah, <laughs> very like unsafe and uh, unprofessional of Big Tiff to be doing stuff like that. That was a little much. Is Too far. Your, is, is this your favorite fight video since? Remember the shovel toss video? Yeah. Oh, my God. The shovel toss. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let us know if you want us to review any more fight videos because that this is fun. Uh, give this a Meltzer star rating, EOD. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, it, it was... It, it, you Remember... As far as the, the we're, we're out of kayfabe now, so as as far as these things go, not comparing it against, um, you know, the Wrestle Kingdom main. Okay, well, you know, I, I was, you know, if this was in the Tokyo Dome, I'd have to go like a couple extra stars, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think like the finish really takes it down. The fact that you yeah. know, like they just, you know, they just walk away, and like after the chairs introduced, like you know, this would be when like. The, the metaphorical crowd would be like at its hottest right like the weapons introduced and they just kind of like let it end so I, i'm gonna have to give it like you know like a one and a half star just for that finish like uh little little sharon uh not necessarily the best worker uh she kind of you know she could have done a little bit better selling too i think um you know she took a, quite a beating and just sort of you know kept like walking through it and whatnot and you know it kind of it kind of undermined uh big tiff's offense a little you know, I think that if not for COVID, we would have had a bigger attendance here in this McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> straight and I up. I think a hot crowd could have really brought this thing up. But yeah, I'm with you. The finish brings it down. But as far as these things go, I'm going three and a half stars. I'm gonna go. Okay. I'm gonna go three stars. I mean, I didn't really like the the finish brings it down down for me too. But and then the, just the weird walk off at the end. But this get the crowd was into this. You get a you get a DM chant and, and from the crowd. Uh, that's very odd. I mean, the crowd participated hear. in this, basically. Yeah, yeah. I like, heard, I, I heard somebody in the crowd going "damn," so I count that as like basically a "this is awesome" chant. So, uh, <laughs> if, yeah, I'm gonna if, give this a solid three stars. If the finish is, um, little Sharon turning full heel and popping Big Tiff with the chair, and <laughs> Big Tiff just takes a big timber bump, <laughs> <laughs> like for the KO. This might be <laughs> one of the greatest like viral fight videos I've ever seen. But they, it could have been an all time. It, right it was now. it was a little backwards. I mean, Big Tiff was definitely the baby face here, and she's because you know she's the one that got her mama. But she's the about. baby face, but got her you know. Her but she was working like a heel. She was working like full heel. So I you know like because uh, she had her goons fucking interfering and stuff like that. So. Chance we see Big Tiff versus Nyla Rose on Dynamite this week? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Surpri- I wouldn't be surprised if Janela brought in Big Tiff to the uh, to to Spring Break clusterfuck. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he has he has brought in viral sensations before, like like uh like Superhuman and uh, the Walmart dudes. I, he's brought in viral people before, so I wouldn't be surprised if he booked Big Tiff in a match. Maybe maybe she can uh run interference uh. In the X Pac X Pac match. Oh yeah! Oh my God! What if he got Big Tiff as his heater, like a China style heater? Oh my God! I'd be, that would be awesome. Honestly, that would look great. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have to get little Sharon for his heater, bro, and she'd have to be in the running her mouth talking <laughs> oh about moms God. and fucking get her titty popped out, slapped out. <laughs> Crazy shit, man. 
All right, guys. All right, dudes. Thank, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I know it was a longer episode, but uh, we're going to be moving forward here. We got WrestleMania weekend coverage coming up. We also have uh, our Twitch channel that we're going to get going and everything. We're still going full speed ahead. And we also have a, a very, very big surprise happening next week as well. A really fucking big one, like a huge fucking announcement. So stay tuned to that on our social media, Linktree, uh, link.tree, or sorry, linktr.ee, whatever. You can check our Linktree. It's on our Twitter and stuff like that, Monster Pop Pod. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Later. Adios, Chico. Yeah. Yeah, bye, Chico. Chico.